Hey y'all, this is Patch coming to you before the show with just a quick programming note. Uh, first things first, we need to apologize for the show being so late. We had some pretty serious technical issues recording this episode, and so the edit took way longer than usual. Uh, that's also pretty much why I'm talking to you now. For reasons that I cannot explain and have not been able to fix, I sound like I am underwater for basically the first half of the episode. That's gonna last until the 26 minute mark, so uh, if you'd rather not deal with that, just skip ahead. And conveniently enough, that is more or less exactly when we start talking about the L House instead of our intro stuff. So, uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House. My name is Patch, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? All things considered, I think okay. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that we talked about before we started recording that's about the last week yeah. in particular just being shit, but it's like... I mean, I, I, I've been, like, more actively going out dressed femme and, like, trying to use a femme voice, and I haven't well, gotten anybody nice, looking yeah. at me weird yet, so that's a, that's a positive. I, I've got I've got a very cute pocketbook that I've made as queer as possible. It, 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 uh, I put my uh, Lumini charm in it, the one that I uh, posted pictures of before multiple times, <laughs> the one that uh, Tigushi made. I also have my uh, Team Chaos and Team Order middle like charms of Splatoon 2 on it because Pearl and Marina are definitely gay you can't convince me otherwise Nintendo uh what else do I have it oh yeah I also have my uh non-binary like feather pin on it because I'm gonna get uh my new like non-binary and trans ones in like the next month or so so I put it there and I also got an Edelgard charm from the person that made the uh really nice three houses uh artwork that I have on my wall so she's also in there now because, I mean, she's my precious little small bi-emperor. So, yeah, my, my whole mission at this point is really just, like, can I get more queer shit to put on this pocketbook? Or, it, do people even really call them pocketbooks? I feel like most people just call them purses, but my mom used to always I call them pocketbooks when I was growing up. I think that's partially a fashion term, and partially it just depends on, like, if it was, uh, uh, like, a clutch, I think I would call that a pocketbook, but not so much an over-the-body bag, you know? Yeah, it's not. It's not definitely not an over the body bag. I I do actually have another one that is over the body that I'm getting later on in the year because I'm like sorry, that's that's a crossbody bag. I do not know why I said it that way. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I know I knew what you meant. Yeah, I I used the same wrong term. Yeah, crossbody. But yeah, uh, I managed to like. So the pre-order window for this was like uh, near the in the end like middle of May or whatever. So I was like, I definitely don't have the money to order this. That's not gonna arrive till late October, but. I could present this as like an option for like my like Christmas present for my mom, so I messaged her with that, and she's like, "Yeah, I could do that." <laughs> and it's uh, it's again showing how much of a dork I am. It's uh, it's a crossbody like purse kind of deal based on Bernadetta's design from Three Houses. <laughs> it's like straight up, they were like, "We all, we took inspiration from that, and also we wanted to make it be a crossbody one to make it seem like yeah. the quiver of arrows that she carries." <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> That's going to be fun. It's uh, it's very cute. It has, like, teddy bears in the embroidery because one of Bernadetta's favorite gifts is a teddy bear. Well, I'm glad that's something to look forward to, yeah. I, uh, I don't particularly enjoy purses myself. I just... I can't explain why. They just feel yeah, strange I mean, to me, so... I think it, the it thing with me is. is that, like, since I am, like, wearing way more, like, femme pants, it's very much me being like, oh, right, I've always heard the, like, the jokes <laughs> and memes about how women don't have pockets, and, and now that's my life. <laughs> Because, like, I mean, a lot of, like, some of them that I own, it's, like, it has the design of a pocket in the front, but it's sewn shut. So it's, like, what if, yeah, I clearly know that you did this for aesthetic purposes, but it's, like, why do you tease me like this? Well, see, the fun part is that some of them have actual pockets that are just sewn shut. Yeah. And some of them just have the design of pockets. And the game is to figure out which it is before you cut your pants open. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) like it's annoying but that was just it's very much like uh i realized this back when i i I don't did i mention it last week that i went to like uh the like uh hartford area like uh queer support group that i'm a member of that meets every like well i'm not gonna say when because i don't want to like accidentally like get some asshole after them but like they meet like once a month and I went there, like, for the first, that was the first time I actually, like, left my apartment dressed femme, and, like, I had to carry my phone and my wallet and my keys on me, and I was like, oh, this would be a lot easier if I had, like, something to carry this in. It's like, oh, right, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Turns out, me wearing a skirt is not having a purse is like, oh, right, I need a bag <laughs> to carry shit. <laughs> and, like, I mean, when I first got it, and I was, like, talking to some friends, being like, wow, this is so useful. And they're like, yeah, it's a fucking bag, Chloe. What the, what the fuck? This isn't a new thing or anything that was just invented. This is just you being stupid. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, it's like, I have an old messenger bag, but it's also too big, and it's, like, a little bit ratty now, because I've had it since before I moved to Japan. Because, like, god, yeah, <laughs> I've had that since, like, summer 2014 like i got it because i knew i was gonna need a bag with all the trains i was gonna be having to take another public transit where i had to like carry stuff because i obviously wouldn't have my car but yeah like that bag is like eight years old now it's like it's it's too big and not up to the task of like carrying smaller stuff yeah no i like my little purse i like that i can put a bunch of queer nonsense on it (laughs) just hanging on it because again like most of the times it's like i had a lot of those like charms and pins and stuff like that that i didn't really have anywhere to put them because i didn't have a bag that i usually carry because i didn't need one for my previous job so now i have an excuse to actually put those on there and not just sit in a display case in my room (laughs) yeah no that's that's lovely yeah yep I normally just wear a jacket with pockets. Yeah, I mean, it's also... It's, it's just, I like it. It's also been, like, unseasonably warm over the last week or so. It's been fucking insane. So it's like, I can't really, like... I mean, I also prefer to, like, wear a jacket usually when I go out. But also, that's usually because I don't like just having my, like, arms exposed. Like, much like how I always like wearing, like, pants or now, in the case, like, like leggings and skirts and stuff like that. Because I also just don't like shorts. It's not even so much a, like... I don't think it's, like, a dysphoria thing. I think it's really just me just being, like, I get cold easily. So I just like having, like, longer sleeve, like, pants and shirts on instead. I mean, because, like, I mean, it's not been... Like, even with our, like, AC on and not being particularly, like, cold or even, like, warm in this apartment at the moment, like, there's still some times where I'm shivering and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's because I'm just a small, chilly bitch at times. (laughs) (laughs) That's just how my body is. 
Probably does also help the fact that, I mean, it's only been like a few weeks since I start increased my uh, injection dosage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, almost doubled it. So I feel like the increased dosage and the fact that like my estrogen levels are now literally 100 times that of my testosterone levels probably isn't helping much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh... yeah. There's just not really a way to predict what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Things, things go wild sometimes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I get that it's, like, all a waiting game and genetics is a big factor of it, but I'm, like, that's why I am, like, really heavily, like, thinking, like, oh, yeah, like, next fall I think I could just go for a BA and just be done with it. Just be, like, if you won't grow on your own accord, I'll use fucking science to make you grow. <laughs> One way or another. <laughs> but yeah, uh, aside from, obviously, all the bullshit going on the last week, how's your week been? Uh, I haven't really had a week, if I'm honest. I mean, you got lost in Stardew Valley again, so I guess that's where your week went, right? That's that's kind of an understatement, I feel like. I mean, yeah, I you stole the game. I think Friday, Saturday. I think, I think, there, I think yeah, I, I think it was around like Thursday or Friday that I brought up the uh, like Stardew Valley expanded thing. <laughs> and you're already on like spring yeah. year two. <laughs> You're about to uh, loot summer year you're, two. You're, you're okay. Yeah, you have officially looped me. I'm still on like the egg festival. I just haven't played the last few days because I'm like, there are times where it's like, yeah, I put up Stardew Valley and like all of a sudden it's like, oh, four hours have passed. I've time traveled because of Stardew Valley and <laughs> because it's like, yeah, like, <laughs> I, like it's the kind of game where it's like, oh, just one more day because I'm like, oh, I didn't get to do this today. I want to do that tomorrow. Or it's like, oh, I know it's gonna rain, so I can go fishing or do, go to the mines. And also, again, like, the fact that that mod does basically make Stardew Valley, like, twice as fucking large does not help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, it, playing that mod made me just go, like, wow, it is insane that, like, that, almost, like, that entire, like, lower section of the map is just not at all an area you go to in the base game. You know, like, the entire, like... Yeah, that's uh, incredible. <laughs> yeah, like, the entire area to, like, the east of, like, uh, Elliot's Cabin, where it's, like, that's now, like, the other little farm and the win the vineyard and everything... And it's like, dang, th this is just not an area that is, exists in the base game, and it's fucking insane that this person has put so much effort into this mod to, like, do all this stuff and make all these new characters and, like, events and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I checked the logs. I installed this six days ago, and in that time I've played 48 hours of game, so... <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right for, like, the first week of Elden Ring in terms of how much I played, and, like, I've, like, really fallen off Elden Ring. I, I have not really played that game in, like, almost, like, a month and a half now, and I still have, like, an entire zone and, like, a whole half of a zone still to go through. Meanwhile, like, everybody else <laughs> on the internet is like, oh, yeah, I beat that game, like, three times. What are you doing, Chloe? And I'm like, I'm <laughs> I get into, like, a bad cycle at times of being like, well, I should really be looking for a job instead of, like, playing video games. Even though I already did send out a bunch of applications already today. But fortunately, I don't have to do that anymore mm -hmm. because I start my job. Oh, well, I mean, contrary to what I said last week, I start my job this coming week and not this week. Because turns out they were like, they wanted me to start. But I guess the actual like site that I'm working at just didn't have the equipment for me to start. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you do need that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do need like a computer and stuff to be able to do my job, turns out. So you're like i oh, yeah you could start on the 31st instead sorry i'm like it's okay it's just like a couple of days later whatever <laughs> i mean i was also finding it a bit strange that they wanted me to literally start like the week before a three-day weekend anyway 
which feels like it would have been i mean it's like just the timing it's not like it's like my fault or anything but it's like yeah it just felt a bit strange so they're like yeah just what three day we come to that uh memorial day oh yeah okay Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's like again because it is like that like last Monday of May or whatever. It's like it, it definitely feels like especially late this year because it, like it literally falls on the second last day of May. But yeah. Well, that. But also, I they don't have that up here. Yeah, it's an yeah. American holiday. Yeah, so there I is just, that, yeah. It's not on my calendar on my phone or anything just because it's yeah. the wrong region. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of just always been like a bit of like a like bullshit holiday in america i'll be honest it's like yeah holidays just holidays, have, uh, holidays celebrating all the dead people that died in wars that america forced <laughs> yay well we did just have uh victoria day up here in canada which uh you know they a federal holiday dedicated to celebrating the monarch of a country yeah. we're not a part of anymore mm-hmm. yeah that's always problematic <laughs> mm-hmm uh, God, I'm a, but, uh, I'm a little bit bummed out that the meme about the queen being dead since like February didn't happen. It sounds it sounds mean spirited, but it's like, God, all those like people saying like, oh yeah, she's just taking a step back from like being visible, and everybody just joking about like, oh yeah, and she's definitely up on like a state uh, farm upstate with tons of room to run around. It's like God, somehow that decrepit woman is clinging to life still. <laughs> Just like so many other yeah. old war criminals. <laughs> the, uh, mm-hmm. Monday night, I uh, got a first-hand demonstration, I guess, because there's a parking lot a- across the street from me. There's like mm-hmm. the the yard of my apartment complex, and then a parking lot, and then the mall. Yeah. And uh, somebody, and I don't know who this was, but somebody managed to get a bunch of professional fireworks and was shooting them off in the mall parking lot. Oh, yeah. yeah we did hear those a little bit during our, uh, like, bi-weekly Adelon thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was big. But the thing is, is that uh, Victoria Day is Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And the fireworks have been going all week long, so I don't know what is happening here if someone just got yeah. extra fireworks and is <laughs> like they bought too many and they're like well we can't let these go to waste why would we hang on to them for the next year <laughs> yeah i don't even know how they got them like fr- in texas when a holiday comes up you see fireworks stands all over the place yeah, I- but that's not a thing here i thought they were illegal yeah like i was about to ask that because i actually don't know about firework laws in canada like it's i definitely know that fireworks seem like they're just fully legal here in connecticut just because like i see us i'd see a fucking display of them all the time at the grocery store for some reason <laughs> and it's like this seems not like a great idea to just have them at like a normal ass grocery store <laughs> where like any teenager <laughs> could just come in and just buy some with their pocket change or something that doesn't sound like a great idea but Sure, whatever. I mean, it was like very much the same way in North Carolina, but I don't remember seeing them in grocery stores. <laughs> okay, um, it looks like in Ontario specifically, fireworks may be used on private property on Victoria Day and Canada Day if you have a permit. Which is to say, not the mall and not all week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, also like, I mean, very much just like, Growing up on Long Island, it's like, you definitely would just see, like, people with fireworks all the fucking time around 4th of July, even though they're not legal to have in 
like <laughs> in like New York because again, it's Long Island is just basically one big fucking suburb, and if you start an, a fire accident, you're gonna fucking do a lot of damage with that. But nobody gets yeah. a shit. Nobody stops it. Ugh, <laughs> 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 oh, boy. <laughs> yep, I don't know. I'd... I mean, again, like, as a kid, I was like, yeah, fireworks are the coolest thing. And meanwhile, as a adult, I'm like, eh, they're just noisy and bright and just keep me up at night. Because it's, it's just annoying to, to deal with those things. Especially because it's like, it's always the same, like, drunk people that have them and just firing them off late into the night around 4th of July. It's just irritating at a yeah. certain point. Like, for, and also, I mean, like, fortunately, my ferrets never seemed like they were much bothered by it back when I still had them, but it's like, I know, of course, like, people are like, yeah, fireworks are the fucking worst if you have, like, cats and dogs. They just hate that shit. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going to vary based on the pet, Yeah, Ziggy has never cared less about a noise in her life. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like it's not going to be great for my roommate's cats, because, like, my roommate's cats always freak out whenever we have to, like, use one of our, like, step stools because it makes, like, a, like, you know, metallic, like, dink kind of noise or whatever when you, like, make it into position. So this way you can actually step on it. They fucking hate that. So it's like, I'm sure <laughs> come around July, they're going to be miserable. Yeah. It's a weird situation, I think, because, like, I'm playing with a fidget toy right now. It should be quiet enough to not be on the recording. I'm I'm trying to do better about not. Uh, I mean, I've I've know. never heard it. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, so it's better than the pocket knife, which was clicking and banging all over the place. <laughs> but my point is, if I were to set this down on my desk, that scares Ziggy. But a firework does not. She doesn't even blink. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so weird. It's one of those like weird things of like, why is it that like a tiny tube scares your cat, but not massive explosions? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> pets are weird at times. It seems. <laughs> I mean, it's like literally a case of like me having to like stand in like the doorway to the kitchen trying to block Simon from getting back in because like he de- he's. He was born, like, astray, and I think, and we suspect that he was, like, bullied a lot, and, like, he learned early on that, like, he had to, like, eat whenever he had the chance, because he was not going to be sure when the next time he would eat would be, kind of deal. <laughs> because, like, basically, as soon as food comes out, he just scarfs down his entire bowl, and then he will just stare at Blue and just wait for her to, like, take a second to, like, stop eating, because he will just immediately swipe in and try to take whatever she's got still. <laughs> and like she, she's the kind of cat where it's like because she's like older and like her teeth aren't as good she definitely never like eats it all in one go and she wants to like save it for later but as soon as she steps away simon descends like a fucking vulture to be like rah mine now <laughs> so like uh, a couple days ago when i had to like feed them myself and i was just like at the apartment by myself i was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna like try to like shuffle him out of the kitchen where they get fed after he's done and just stand there in the doorway and block him from getting back in to give blue some peace and quiet for a change and she actually ate her entire bowl for once because i guess <laughs> she's like oh i'm not being fucking pressured by this dipshit <laughs> to eating this faster or whatever <laughs> because again like she is like 11 or 12 simon's only five so it's like he is like very yeah. much a younger cat but it's like it's like he he, he acted so fucking like like remorseful when i stopped him and he was like acting like so pitiful and it's like my guy you are getting chubby we all know that you're getting fat and it's like you do not need this much food <laughs> and it's like I, I i'm surprised that it's like with all the times i heard people talk about like how like cats and dogs if they eat too fast they tend to like puke and everything and like I, simon has not puked at all in the last three months 
just with like how yeah. fast he eats but i guess also again it's been years of him training himself to eat that way <laughs> comparatively <laughs> yeah, pet, yeah, pets. Some... <laughs> yeah yeah some pets just be like that and i don't know what to tell you yep some pets are weird. I mean, it's very much a case of me, like, looking at these two cats where, like, one's a big, like, fluffy cat and the other one's, like, the short hair or, like, black and white coloration cat. And I'm just like, how are these two things the same species? <laughs> They're so different and, like, so much weirder compared to each other. And it's like, how are these things the same? <laughs> I have, um, I have a friend who's got a couple of pugs. One of them eats a special medicated food. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for whatever reason, the other one desperately wants the special medicated food. <laughs> and so, yeah, they had to set up a baby gate and feed them in different rooms. Yeah. <laughs> if that special medicated food is on the table, uh, the bigger dog will try to eat that and ignore his own food. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's very yeah, much. just... Pets be strange. Yep. I mean, it's like they're like in, in that dog's mind, he's like, well, it's being prevented from me, so clearly it must be even better than what I've got, so I want nothing but that. It's, it's very much like, uh, I mean, like, I, I also just got like a baby gate to put in front of my door and everything. Because, like, <clears throat> with uh, the way that the AC in this apartment works, it kind of like more originates from my room, so I'm like, oh, I need to keep my door open more often when it's like really hot. It's this way. It, it's like, we have, like, AC vents in each of our bedrooms, but, like, it doesn't really seem like there's any in, like, the kitchen, living room, nor, like, dining room. So I'm like, okay, we need to, like, try to keep our doors more open so this way it spreads out throughout the entire unit. Also, mostly for the cat's sake. But the cats are, like, so fucking hell-bent on getting to my room because, for the most part, I've kept it closed in the last few months because I don't <laughs> want cat hair everywhere. Because I'm also, like, I'm pretty sure at this point that I'm a little bit allergic to the cats in general. Because, like, I definitely notice I sneeze a lot more if I'm in, like, the living room playing my Switch in there or something compared to when yeah. I'm in my bedroom. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to stop this? So I went and got, like, a three-and-a-half-foot-tall baby gate to put in there. And it seems like it works because they haven't been able to get in, but they definitely don't look too pleased because they're, like, so desperate to see what my room is all about. And meanwhile, I'm like, it's just another bedroom, cats! You have free reign of, like, the entire other rest of the unit because, like, our other roommate doesn't care if they're in his room, but it's like... It's just another bedroom. It's just a bed. <laughs> There's nothing different about it. But again, the fact that they're prevented from getting in it, they're like, this place must be fucking magical. This fu this place is fucking Narnia, and we need to go there. <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> I mean, the ferrets are much the same way, because I also closed my bedroom door and the bathroom door to prevent them getting into there. And like, we're very much like always like trying to like dig under <laughs> the doorway. Like... My old, like, uh, Illinois apartment, I'm surprised I got the full, tax, like, uh, rebate back from the, de no, the deposit wrapper, because, like, they definitely yeah. fucked up, like, a lot of the carpet around the bedroom and bathroom doors. <laughs> like, I was like, well, yeah, this, uh, this, uh, fucking deposit's gone, but they were like, give it to me in full. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I didn't notice that the ferrets fucked up the carpet, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. That's... Uh, well, fortunately, this apartment has no deposit, so they can't keep it from me. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh yeah no I think I think this one has a part has a deposit I honestly forget <laughs> it might have oh it might have but it might be like under the previous tenants because like before it was Sam her her ex, now ex and her brother but like you know stuff happened where I mean again I said ex so it's like yeah stuff happened where she kicked her ex okay. out well, yeah and also it was like very uh... yeah very much was also at that point being like yeah get out of here brother because like. <laughs> 
he apparently was like a bit of a lazy shit. <laughs> so she was like, I don't want to live with you anymore. Get out of here. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's pets. That's our week. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't know. That's, basically have nothing else. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's again, it's we're trying to not dwell on all the bullshit because it's just a nightmare in general with all that stuff. Yeah, hey. The whole mini's 3D printed and they're a mess, and now I have to try and figure out where to find microscopic sandpaper. Oh, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> that's I mean, all I, I got. I saw the picture of, that you posted of like the one that 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 is a tiefling, right? That design. Uh, no, it's complicated. Oh, okay. I saw I saw the wings on it, and I was like, oh yeah, I know there's the winged tiefling variant, which I feel like I feel like most DMs would probably not allow the winged tiefling variant because it's like. Being a tiefling already is like you get a lot of good stuff by being a tiefling, but also getting a flight speed I feel like is like a bit much. <laughs> yeah, um, flight speeds are definitely a lot. Yeah. But at the point where we are in this particular campaign, basically everyone in the party was flying anyway through yeah, just that's, whatever that's fair. spells or whatever. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean to be fair, I mean like various races do have a flight speed that aren't like super broken. I mean like. Yeah, like, I mean, Aarakocra and uh, Owlin have flight speeds, and, like, SMR do, but they have to use their action to bamf out the wings for just a minute at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... Well, uh, uh, bonus action now, as of the new book. Oh, is it ancient? Yeah, the uh, SMR only takes a bonus action to activate now, but it doesn't do nearly as much damage as it Oh, used to. okay, yeah, because, like, I mean, yeah, in our D&D group uh, two campaigns ago, we had an SMR sorcerer, and, like, he wasn't really ever, like, really doing that, because it's, like, I don't know, I, I guess it was, like, action economy, but it's, like, at the same time, you had quicken spell, so it's, like, you could do that to bamf yeah. out your wings and get the bonus radiant damage, and then just, like, quicken a lightning bolt or something for that one yeah. round. Especially because it's, like, a lot of times you didn't really have a bonus action, because that's just how sorcerers are. Yeah, the, uh, the bonus damage they used to get was the character level, and now it's just the proficiency bonus, but the trade-off is that you can do it faster. Okay, yeah, th I mean, that seems reasonable. I mean, because, like, at the time being, it was, like, very much, like, yeah, that damage can get uh, pretty crazy later on in levels, just because, like, I mean, you do it, like, every turn for, like, uh, well, like, every round for, like, a whole ten rounds of combat, so it's, like, yeah, that can yeah. stack up, so. I mean, it's very much, like, I mean, the same reason why everybody's, like, you need to have Agonizing Blast if you're a Warlock, because why would you not get an extra 20 damage when you're at level 17 <laughs> blasting people with four Eldritch Blasts? And it's, like, yeah, yeah I get that, but it's, like, I don't know, I feel like there's, like, just some invocations that are just more useful in general compared to just a little bit more damage. But at the same time, again, 20 more damage if you're... It just depends on what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, if you're blessing the same person in Fallout 4, it's like, that is an extra 20 damage on top of each of those 4d10. So, well, uh, should we get into it then? Because I have, like, four pages of uh, notes. <laughs> yeah, we just talked about D&D for, like, six minutes. Let's talk about the Hell House. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a series that's definitely not at all uh, focused on D&D. But really enough, actually, it really isn't. Like, Amphibia definitely had more to do with D&D than anything. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, no, it definitely did. Yeah, I mean, like, Marcy straight up described herself as an artificer rogue, so it's like, yeah, they definitely don't do anything like that in this, even though it's, like, very much a bunch of dorky <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, yeah, not that dorky, apparently. <laughs> oh, boy. This is, a. Uh... Again, this is like the episode I have the most notes on, because <laughs> it is fucking jam-packed. Well, I mean, that's good, though, isn't it? That's yeah. the end of the show. I mean, jeez, I, I can only wonder what it's going to be like next week when we do the finale. <laughs> uh, 
God, all those fucking promos they've already put out for the finale is just like, stop doing this to us, you can't. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember how we were doing like the lead up to the episode. <laughs> uh, we really weren't, we just got distracted talking about tieflings. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Hey, to be fair, tieflings hot. <laughs> if, ha if having horns and a tail is, is like wrong, I don't want to be right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, then yeah, I guess, fuck it, we should just get into it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do things. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, it, yeah, no no trying to, like, do a preamble about it, because, like, I mean, we know what we're here to talk about, and it's more Owl House, because, <laughs> oh boy, Clouds in the Horizon is a meaty fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, aren't they all these days? Yep, but definitely so in the finale, because a lot happens in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, yeah. Uh, season 2, episode 20, Clouds in the Horizon. Ah, trying to get Clouds in the Horizon. Opens with Bellows at the portal door, which, as we'll find out in a few minutes, is like fully just moved into the head of the Titan. And it definitely looks like it's like straight up the room where he got the like the mirror thing, the round boy, in. It doesn't look like it's like a different place, it looks like it's really exactly that room. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, the Abomination plugged in, like, the goopy power cable things to power it up that we had seen beforehand. Yeah, and I just Bellows want to know what kind just, of like, gooey's got in there. Yeah, I, I wonder what that power source is. I'm not sure what it's supposed to be, because we've only seen this, like, twice so far. Yeah. But, like, we've seen, like, Abomination stuff, like, power a number of things at this point, so it could just be something similar yeah, to that. Yeah, green goo is rare and strange. I want more green goo. <laughs> yeah. We, we see a bunch of, like brownish bra brackish goo and purple and like pink goo but we never really see green goo at exactly <laughs> yeah there's definitely not electricity that he's using <laughs> but yeah uh bellows is just like uh, staring at the door like holding onto the key that dangles around his neck and the collector appears from the shadows to taunt him a bit about being nervous about not being home in the human realm for centuries and that things there might be different and he himself might also be different <laughs> uh he also does, like, taunts Bellows a bit, or I guess, hey, no, it's saying he is accurate. We, we usually say they, them with the Collector, but Dana Terrace did say the Collector uses he, they pronouns, so it's not inaccurate. <laughs> but yeah, uh, when the Collector just brings up how Bellows can barely hold on to his human form anymore after eating so many Palsmen, Bellows stupidly tries to lash out at them with a goopy arm, even though he knows he can't hurt the Collector because they're just literally a shadow on yeah, the wall. Yeah, there's something messed up going on with that goop arm. Because, like, it's just yeah. the briefest fraction of a second. But he's got, like, you see his bones, and they are red and praying mantis bones. Yep, yep. His arm is all the fuck jacked up, and it takes, like, he's, like, visibly struggling to reconstitute his arm if you look closely during that yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's getting, like, way fucking worse with his condition, basically. But yeah, uh, while he's trying to fix his arm, the collector just goes on about all the games they want to play once they're free. And how if they need a third player for their games, they can make another Grimwalker. But Bellows shuts that idea down because he wants to deal with Hunter first before he makes another one. Which I guess fair, but also would be really fucking it would be really fucked up if he just made another one and Hunter saw it and had to fight himself essentially. <laughs> but at the same time I feel like if Hunter if like the new Hunter saw the old Hunter, he would probably also catch on that something's going on if he sees a copy of himself. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, Bella starts to walk away, and the Collector begs him to be released as he had promised, 
The fellow says that the draining spell must be completed first, as the Collector had promised before he's willing to free them. Which is reasonable, he... but the Collector does not like that very much. No, I mean, it's it's been literally hundreds of years that they've been planning this shit, so it's like, the Collector has had to sit there in the in-between for a long fucking time. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly running other scams, given the whole Titan Trapper Island thing. Yeah, trying to figure out other ways to get them out, but... It's it, this is the thing I thought of. It's like, why is it exactly that it's taken this long for Bellows to actually figure this shit out? Because it's like, I mean, like he said, like back in Hollow Mind, that he does regret that it's taken this long. But it's like, we never really get specifications about why exactly it's taken that long, mm -hmm. other than the fact that it's a kids' show, and obviously we had to have like there be like a big thing that Luz and her friends have to deal with. Well, I think a big part so. of it is just that he didn't have the portal door. Yeah, that seems like that was like a big component of it too. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, also, just a theory, but he knows that Luce is in the future and comes back to teach him the light glyph. So maybe he realizes that until Luce is a thing in the Boiling Isles, he can't win. Yeah, pretty much, I guess. <laughs> because if he goes early, then she doesn't exist to send him the light glyph. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he only really catches on to that once, like, he... Like, after, like, years after Lilith has been in the Emperor's Coven, and he's, like, realizes that she's, like, the same person as the, like, mid-40s-year-old that helped him out that one time, where he's like, oh, right, shit, okay, now I gotta wait for this teenager to show up, I guess. Great. Well, I mean, he might have known right away since he let her keep her palisman. This, this is true, but he also didn't meet Lilith's palisman in the, the time travel episode. That's true. Yeah. I mean, people thought of that, like, being a theory that, like, the, uh, that flat deck was made by a Clothorn ancestor or whatever, and that's why he, like, spared another Clothorn palisman mm -hmm. later on in life. But who knows? That's a Mooring Mark comic. <laughs> who can say if that's actually real or not? I feel like it's also a case of, like, they just kind of forgot, because it seems like a lot of people that are, like, way older than the teenagers <laughs> at Hexide just don't have palisman, because, like, we don't know if Ed and them have a palisman when it's, like, presumably they would have gotten one, like, two years ago. Yeah, they should so. <laughs> Yep. And also, again... It seems like it's just pretty consistent that the kids don't have their own palisman with them because, like, we don't see Ghost. Uh, fuck, I'm forgetting the bee's name. <laughs> Damn it, Clover. Nor the unnamed chameleon in this episode at all. Even though it's like they would feasibly still have them and use them in this, but they're just not there. Well, this is just a Hopefully thought. They're... But um, so you mentioned that Ed and M should have palismans, but like. There's been a shortage of palisman wood for a long time now, at least a few years. Yeah. And I don't think that the Bat Queen was really open to letting people bond with the palismans until Luce had her whole adventure. So maybe this is yeah, just the like, first I mean, time it, in a while they've been able to offer them. This this is also true. I mean, like it's straight up a thing that like when uh, that episode shows up, like I mean, Bat Queen does say it was actually Ida's idea because like she's like oh yeah hang on to my whistle this was a uh, this is my pleasure to do this because this is a great idea kind of deal <laughs> so yeah it, it could literally just be that nobody's really had like palisman that much in the last while just because of the shortage yeah which again straight up bell's his fault because he has to keep munching on those boys all the time because <laughs> he's a fucking goop monster <laughs> it was there for like 400 years <laughs> yay <laughs> but yeah yeah, I, eh, hang on, sorry, I got a freaking piece of hair in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> <goes>. <laughs> Getting a haircut tomorrow for the first time in two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, uh, da, da, da. Yeah. yeah, going back to what was actually happening in the episode, uh, Bellos finishes by saying that the Collector will soon be rewarded as the Day of Unity is about to begin, 
and we see the camera zoom out to show that they basically have built like a stadium of sorts in like the Titan's ribcage <laughs> kind of deal and like yeah because like it shows that he's in the head and everything at the moment with the collector which again as we like heard from Lilith back in escaping and like yeah the other one the other E episode elsewhere and elsewhere that entering the Titan head is like a sacred place that people don't really do so I guess he like knows that he won't be disturbed there <laughs> Or maybe he has to be there. Who can say? <laughs> Who knows what the fuck Belsa's deal still even is, even though we know more about him now at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's like, geez, we don't know shit about the Collector still, really, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> we don't know what their deal is, either. <laughs> We're probably gonna learn a lot in... three days. <laughs> actually, like, two days and, like, a couple hours. <laughs> actually, when that episode there is. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, we cut over to Blight Industries where Odalia is signing off on a shipment of automatons with Kikimura seemingly having been promoted again after she failed to like capture anybody during the raid of the Owl House <laughs> because she now is just straight up working as like a delivery woman for I guess it's a company called Coven Crate. They don't really like get into like what the distinction is, but she has a hat that says Coven Crate yeah, on it. Yeah, so the uniform assume... is very different. <laughs> Yeah, it's like she's straight up there in like fucking like Amazon delivery like person outfit kind of deal with like shorts and everything and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's there to ferry them off for the Emperor's Coven and uh, Odalia berates her a little bit, wondering if there's any way for her to show Bellows her true worth and everything. And Kimura just like angrily like repeats her words in like a sarcastic way to a guard before they just fly off with the shipments. Uh, during all this, Amity, Edric, and Emra are watching from behind some boxes. And M says Odalia won't believe Amity at all, and that Ed just says that she simply won't care, even if she does listen. But Amity wants to try to convince her and her dad about the draining spell in the hopes that they'll stop helping Bellows hurt people. At that point, Alador walks over as Odalia gloats about how Kikimura is like feeding in directly to what she wants to do because she wants to use her as like a candidate for their latest product. But Alador asks if it's a bit odd that the Ember's Kevin needs this much security for the day of unity. And Odalia just shuts him down by not only repeating her Blight's always uphold their end of the deal motto, <laughs> but also by revealing that apparently they have a deal going on where she's just fully, like, agreed not to get the kids involved with the business, and that she's, like, beginning to, like, decide if they could, could go back on that deal by, uh, like, Alador talking up, like, speaking out about it, I guess. Yeah. But he, yeah, but he backs off and, like, you know, for their kids' benefit, I guess, and she drops the issue. The issue. <laughs> And then, uh, Amity turns around and just knows that Ed and M are gone, because apparently while her back was turned, Odalia discovered that they were there and grabbed them with an abomination. Yeah, that was and... the sneakiest abomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sneaky. Not only that, but also her mom sneaking up somehow, where she didn't notice it. But yeah, like, she, she basically just berates the three of them for being very, obviously, deceitful and grounds Amity, which... The fact that she uses the term grounding her kid seems weird to me in a sense because like it's one of those things where it's like yeah I get that it's a, like a terminology that just people would understand but it's like I mean it's a, it's another thing of like I need to just get over the fact that like yeah everybody in the boiling house speaks English <laughs> like people on earth when it's like the the notion of English would not exist in the boiling house because there's no England but well, it's like I mean just, come on they've had an English guy for 300 400 years yeah, but, like, Bellos doesn't say anything like that because nobody knows that he's a human besides, like, a bunch of teenagers at this point. Yeah, but he's and, Emperor and a few Bellos. Adults. He could have very easily seeded his language into the Boiling Isles and just colonized the whole thing back in the day. 
Yeah, I suppose. Just over time teaching people to adopt his language, not any other one. Exactly. <laughs> he's, that, he's a colonizer. Like he something he would do. do that. <laughs> yeah, no, he is, he is a racist colonizer. He definitely would do that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, getting over the semantics about the English language for a bit, uh, we go over to the cat side out, where Luz takes out the Tamagotchi to read a message from Amity that... This again, me being silly and only having watched this episode once, didn't remember that she actually straight up translated for Ida's sake <laughs> in two seconds. Because, like, I sat there for, like, five minutes trying to read this and be like, okay, it says grounded, come quick. And then Luz immediately says what it says. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, Ida asks her what kind of language the messages are in, and Luz just replies it's the language of love that the, that the message is unfinished and explains what it says. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, King arrives at that point with a box full of official Coven Scout disguises, so I guess they actually don't have to make the shitty disguises again <laughs> for the purposes of the Where did he get these? To... I feel like this was, like, something that the cats had, and he was, he's just, like, offering to, like, ferry stuff around to people, because, like, I mean, straight up after that, he does ask if there's anything else he can do to help. Yeah, that's so fair. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just, like, Rain or Darius was like, here, take these over to the Owl Lady, kind of deal, and he's like, okay. <laughs> Because he wants to do That's stuff. fair. I don't know. I, I just felt like the implication was that he got them from somewhere else, but I don't know. Yeah. Anything's possible. Uh, we just don't yeah. have enough time. You know there would have been a whole episode about him getting that box of costumes. <laughs> <laughs> if we had yeah, if we had time for 20 more adventures, Disney. <laughs> but we don't. <laughs> you fuckers. <laughs> but yeah, uh, King, King asks if he can do anything else to help, like grab people tea, beat up some bad guys, or create sentient life. Because, like, he's about to be like, well, you know, because I am a titan after all, but, like, he, like, covers his mouth and, like, tries to cover it by being like, oh, yeah, you're totally frightened, huh? Yeah. <laughs> because, like, she then explains, like, we should definitely not tell a lot of people that you're a fucking titan yet, my guy. <laughs> you are eight years old and a little guy, and we should keep this between the five of us for now. <laughs> Which, fair. I mean, I get that King is disappointed a lot throughout this episode because he is being, like, kept out of things a bit. But at the same time, again, he is eight years old and has, like, one power, which seems pretty easy for people to block or avoid. So it's, like, you kind of need to keep on the wraps that this guy is, like, a bit of, like, a god to a lot of people in this world. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, can't really spread that much or do a whole lot about it. And I feel like that's definitely going to come back to bite a lot of people in the ass in the next episode based on a lot of the promotional art they have out. (laughs) Oh, boy. But yeah, uh, da, da, yeah, uh, where was I? Oh, yes, at that point, Darius calls a meeting to order so they can discuss their plan, in which he and Rain established that while the spell only affects those of sigils, Bellos does have backups for all nine covenants, so they can't just, like, just straight up hide Darius, Rain, or Everwolf to stop the draining spell. Yeah, but what I dislike about this it, most is that it implies that it absolutely would have worked for Rain to just not show up on that day if they didn't mess around and get caught yeah pretty much exactly 100 percent would have like not like if if rain had like i mean to be fair rain didn't really know about the draining spell at the time because i mean they only find out about it based on darius specifically delivering them that message back in uh, them spray skins yeah so it's like they didn't know at the time when they were like yeah let's fucking take out darius and never will fuck them <laughs> kind of deal but it's like, yeah, it, it is like a lot of like, yeah, you think about that and other things happen in this episode where it's like, if they had done nothing, this would have actually gone a lot smoother for them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 
Yeah, that's again, we're looking at it from like the perspective of like, yeah, if you guys had just not done anything, this would have gone much smoother. Or if you just said fuck it and left, it would have been much easier. Because <laughs> like, I mean, if they had just fuck said fuck it and left, that wouldn't have resulted in a lot of stuff in the end of the episode happening, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll get there. But yeah, uh, their plan is to uh, corrupt the draining spell by using Eda's curse since they can't stop the spell itself. But, yeah, they just... It's, it's kind of funny that, like, they bring up of, like, oh, yeah, this is where the owl lady comes in, and she... And, like, Ida's just like, huh? And it's like, Ida, how do you not already catch on that they, like, want to use the curse to, like, to your benefit <laughs> to fuck up the spell? <laughs> it's like, you need to be reminded that it corrupts magic, and she's like, oh, yeah, duh. That thing that happened, like, a month ago. But, yeah. Their plan is to cause a distraction with some flesh-eating beetles by uh, Everwolf to sneak Ida in to where the Covenheads are, which... I also feel like it's kind of defeating the purpose a bit, because that kind of also alerts that something's going on, in a sense, compared to, like, how they actually plan on just, like, having Ida also take Rain's place, which I feel like that enough would be able to cause enough of a distraction <laughs> with not having to have a bunch of flesh-eating bugs, but sure, whatever. I I don't know how to say this exactly, because I don't have a solid reasoning here. I just have impulses and feelings. But I don't trust Rain in this episode. Yeah, I've seen people think that Rain could be the the mole. I also have seen people think that it's Steve for reasons that I'll come up with and mention later on. Yeah, I just because it's like Rain definitely does act a bit strange, but like you could also read it as like they are just worried for Ida because like they definitely did not want to get Ida involved with the draining spell activity at all. That's true, but yeah, this just. There's something about the way they present this plan that makes me feel like this is an act. This is them trying to get Ida to agree to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're, they're acting definitely... like they don't want her involved while saying all the right things to make sure she is. Yeah, pretty much. Who, who knows? I really hope it doesn't end up that way, because I would really like it to be that Rain has not been just fully mind-warped and has actually been screwing over Terra in the long run. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll find out in, th in like, two days and change. <laughs> see. Yeah, I mean, that feels like a very uh, realistic potential twist to me, is that actually they weren't ever free and that Terra was just mind-controlling them this whole time. Yeah, to, like, expose the actual traitors or something with uh, Darius and Neverwolf. Yeah. Who knows? I don't I like also... that idea, but that's the feeling yeah. I get from this episode. I, I mean, the, the the thing people came up with about Steve seems pretty solid as well, because, like, I guess I'll just cover it now. Like, Steve's freckles on his face are in different positions than they were in the previous episode. And also, like, he's not acting as, like... I wouldn't say he's, like, jokey or anything like that, but he's definitely, like, more laid back in the previous episode compared to this one. Which I get makes a bit of sense because this is like a serious thing going on. Yeah, like, I mean, I get where you're just coming feels from, off. but also you're yeah. flying into the castle of the ancient immortal Doom Emperor to try and stop his yeah. spell to kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, true. So it's like, yeah, things are serious, but like, I mean, it doesn't get over the fact that his freckles are in the wrong place. <laughs> Which I don't yeah. think that's an animation error because we also see multiple times where illusion spells like that don't fully cover other things about people which we'll get to later on as well <laughs> but yeah uh yeah they they go they go with like this whole plan because like the safest way that they want to be able to do this is to have either tap directly into the spell by taking rain's place 
by like actually getting like the the bard sigil and everything because I guess it's like it's just more assured if she's right there as opposed to on the out the like the, the outside or whatever. Well, my understanding uh, is that in order for her to corrupt the spell with her curse, she needs to be part of the spell. So she yeah. has to be part, or like she would need the sigil because if she doesn't have it, then the spell wouldn't focus through her. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's like it, it's not like they could just like do like her thing where she like plays her not mandolin or whatever again to like try to corrupt it because she has to actually be directly involved with it aha well my plan is i'm just going to melt all the coven heads and then we won't have to <laughs> but they have backups <laughs> you'll have to kill so many people <laughs> and even that i'm sure like bellis just grabbed like nine random people from the crowd that have the respective sigils and be like all right congratulations our promotion i don't know if that would work uh, from what we've read, it specifically has to be channeled through powerful witches, so I don't know if just grabbing anybody would do it. Hmm, who can say? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, well, well, I guess we'll find out next episode. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, better find uh, out next episode. I would hope, considering that last week we were like, oh yeah, last chance we have to discuss this one thing, and then nope. Very <laughs> 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 much not, still. <laughs> but we'll get there too. Uh, yeah, Lilith suggests that she take Ida's place because I guess she's just concerned about her sister, but Ida also, like, shuts her down since they aren't sure how her half of the curse would react, since she's not at it for very long, compared to, like, they know the fact that Ida does fuck with magic. And also because, like, Ida is just very much like, yeah, if I can screw with Bellos one more time directly, sure, I'm in. <laughs> she says that, but it really feels like false bravado to me. I mean, yeah, like, she, I mean, she does admit that she really doesn't want to go through with this, but she will, because otherwise people are fucked. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, out on the balcony, Luce is uh, just sadly looking at Tamagotchi again, which still has the same unfinished message, and King's just there sitting on the guardrail next to her. <laughs> again, King, please do not sit on the guardrail. You are eight years old and a fucking super magical being. You do not want to accidentally fall to your death, my guy. I mean, he's an eight-year-old boy. If anybody's going to sit on the guardrail, let's... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, the younger you are, the better chance you have of bouncing off and stuff like that, I guess, if you do fall. But still, shouldn't take chances with this guy. Well, I, I'm this is also f just eight-year-old boys like to climb on things, that's all. Yeah, fair. This is also something that was funnily pointed out on Twitter. The, apparently, the cat's headquarters is just right across the street from a police precinct. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a very funny thing that you only see in this scene because they're on the balcony, but yeah, they're right across the street from a police station. <laughs> Perfect stealth. <laughs> yeah. It's like hiding in plain sight, but yeah, like people are like, how did they find out about the plan? It's like, you, it's just literally like coming scouts with binoculars and like listen, watching them <laughs> across the street. <laughs> kind of they deal. bought this building so that Darius could sleep in on the days when he has to go to the police station. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just being lazy. But yeah, uh, Ida comes over with Luce's talisman as the coating has finally dried, and Luce carved an egg. <laughs> she sure Ida asks, Yep, Ida asks her why she chose an egg and not something cute like a tarantula, and Luce just gives the most adorable Luce to say the answer ever by saying she wanted to give her companion the choice to be who they are because she herself got to choose her future by learning to become a witch. Which, again, is like me being like, oh, that's a, that's such a cute little answer from Luz, but also, Jesus Christ, this tells what the fucking animal is. Yeah, yeah, but also, that's trans You've been teasing heck. this... Yeah, you've been, you've been teasing this fucking talisman since, like, June of last year, ever since you got the wood. <laughs> and it's like, 
Uh, again, <laughs> I don't expect this thing to hatch next episode. I'm gonna call it here. I think it's gonna happen in, like one of the specials instead. Really interesting. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that they would do it in the next one. I think they, I think they I think they know we've been waiting for so long to find out what Lucy Thompson will be that they have intentionally held it back until the the specials. I think. Okay. Like I could see it like catching like near the end of the second special or the very beginning of the third. I don't think it's gonna be in the first special either. Honestly, I think we need to get it sooner if we want to have a correct emotional resonance with it. Just because like the other palismans we've seen, they've been around. You know, Albert's been here from the very yeah. beginning. If Luz just shows up with a bat or something in the very last episode, I don't think that's as impactful. But on the other yeah, hand, if in the next at, episode at the same... when she's captured. Uh, 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 Bellows pulls the egg out of her backpack and tries to eat it and pops it open and a bat comes out to help her. That's good, yes? Yeah, but also she doesn't have her backpack when she's captured. Ah, well, point. <laughs> yeah, she take, I guess she takes her backpack off before she gets captured or something. But yeah, we'll get there too when we get to that point. Uh, yeah, uh, she then tells the egg that she, already, that she loves him already, kisses him and puts him safely in her backpack. Again, like we said, it's in there now. Uh, Luz then asks Ida if she's sure about going through with all this, and Ida admits she sure doesn't want to because she hates the Coven system, but she's willing to put her own desires aside if it helps save everybody on the Isles. And then she coyly says that saving the world isn't nearly as romantic as breaking your girlfriend out of home confinement, <laughs> and that she can clearly tell that Luz wants to go help Amity rather than stick around. And Luz admits that she wants to go help Amity, but that she also wants to be here to help Ida. And, like, after Ida just says that the Eloss can handle themselves and to say hi to Amity on her behalf, King then, like, acts like this is, like, a final goodbye and demands that Ida stop talking like this. <laughs> and Ida promises that they'll see each other after the day of unity. I will hold off on what I want to say about this when we get to the questions, because we do have one about what's going to happen in the finale, because I think... I, I'm, I'm starting to think stuff <laughs> about some of these characters. <laughs> With the finale coming up. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, after a bit of assuring Luce that they'll succeed since they have Luce the human, powerful witch, and everything, uh, Tiny on their side, and the famed Owl Lady, Ida heads off with Rain to start enacting the plan. Uh, but before they leave, Luce pulls Rain aside to beg her, them to promise to protect Ida, which, again, they do. They do like a little wink and everything, and it's like, geez, I really hope Rain is not the mole. <laughs> I want I want Rain to do cool shit and not be a villain that has to be fought. <laughs> uh, yeah, with that, the cats have one last rallying cry to send them off on their respective missions, and at the end, King is still a bit bummed out that he can't really contribute much. Uh, we cut over to a fleet of airships bearing the sigils of the Nine Covens taking off, with either Rain and other members of the cats being on the barge ship. I guess they basically just, like, more or less, like, took out the guards to just have full control over it. Weirdly enough, even though they have ships for all each of the nine sigils, Eberwolf is with Darius in the Abomination one. I don't know why, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Katya actually drops off Luce and King a bit of a way away from... Oh, that was a weird phrasing. A <laughs> bit away from Blight Manor, as Katya says Darius arranged for a security escort to accompany Luce on rescuing Amity. But, like, she flies off, but Luz calls out there saying she doesn't need an escort, even though it's like, Luz, you are, like, one of the most wanted people on the aisles, and you literally have a god kid with you. You definitely need an escort. <laughs> and uh, Willow and Gus are there, talking right behind her about how they guess they'll just have to go home then instead. Darn. <laughs> Whatever. And Luz tells them, like, yeah, no, no, I do need an escort, and hugs them and everything. 
and says that she thought they were all in hiding after the events of Labyrinth Runners, but it turns out Hunter was actually the one who was told by Darius to be Luce's escort, and Willow and Gus tagged along, although Gus just pokes fun at him by saying that he basically begged them to come with him because he's scared of being recognized because he's also a criminal now. <laughs> It's, it's I, I I like the little bit of like relationship that's going on between Hunter, Willow, and Gus at this point after just like the last week of them like hanging out yeah. at times. It's very cute. Like, they, they 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 have quickly become like real good friends. I like the fact that like Gus and Hunter have a fucking like secret high five handshake kind of thing when they butt heads together. It's like very like yeah, it's like bros being bros kind of deal. <laughs> but yeah, uh. Luce is about to ask if, like, Hunter's up for dealing with this after learning a lot of stuff recently, but he, like, also cuts her off and like, Ida had done before of King, and takes her aside before she can finish and begs her not to mention that he's a Grimwalk around the others, because he hasn't told them yet. And Hunter explains that he is he's just not sure if he's a witch or a human, but all that he knows is that he's a copy of a person Bellas had. Air quotes disappeared. I, I don't know why they just don't say killed here. They have definitely said things of, like, They've definitely used the phrase kill and dead at times in this show. So it's like, it's kind of interesting usage here that he's like, oh yeah, Bella's disappeared and my predecessor or whatever. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, Luce thinks that the others simply wouldn't care, but Hunter just kind of harshly retorts back about how, like, hey, have you actually told them that you actually helped out Philip in the past? Which, apparently he overheard everything that Luce and Bellas were talking about after he was dragged down into Bellas' yeah. consciousness. Because, I, I mean, he wasn't, like, fully consumed or anything, so I guess he was still on, like, the surface to be able to hear. I, but, yeah. I, I see where he's coming at with this, but also, like, everyone has been in hiding since that day. She has not yeah. had a chance to tell them. Yeah, exactly. Like, she, like the last time Luce has seen, like, any of her friends was, like, God, when was it? It was, like, back at, uh... I guess Reaching Out was the last time she hung out with Amity, and I think, like, she she saw a little bit of Willow and Gus back in any sport in a storm, but, like, she really hasn't, like, been around them much since then, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, when, when would she have gotten the chance? Like, she can't really, like, fully explain a lot of the stuff in, like, the emoji messages to Amity <laughs> over the, the Tamagotchi. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. It, he just yeah. makes a play like she's actively hiding it from them. And she kind of yeah. seems to agree in this moment, and I just don't feel like that's the case. I feel like they've been way too busy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really more of that. But, like, again, you can, I kind of understand where they're coming from of, like, yeah, like, relating them both of, like, yeah, they have a secret about Bellos that they are just not ready to tell other people just yet. Even though Luce has, like, spread it to, like, Ida and King and Hootie and everyone, but, like, yeah, just not her friends yet. Which I get, because, I mean, like, she definitely does feel very fucking guilty about helping a fucking, like, colonizer asshole that wants to wipe out all life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Hunter just implores her not to tell them, and she nods in agreement, because, like, I guess there's, like, a silent agreement also that, like, yeah, don't tell them this, and I won't tell them about what you did by accident kind of deal. And the five of them go and approach the manor, but Gus uses the little amplifier they took from Grey back in Leverfrenners to spy the invisible guard. And they basically just, like, put the plan to action real quick to just neutralize the guy with, like, Luce uses the plant glyph to wrap around him. And this is something I didn't catch until, like, you brought it up <laughs> based on a tweet that somebody noticed. But, like, when she uses the glyph, you definitely don't see it respond the same way it usually did. Yeah. Because it produces a full spell circle around it and doesn't consume the paper. 
which people think is because like she has a palisman now even if it's not hatched so people think it's like her actually using her like authentic kind of magic compared to using the glyphs directly so it's like oh it might be Luce's like basically unknowingly like using the glyphs as like a medium kind of deal to cast the spell yeah. and she just doesn't realize that she's doing it herself that was my thought and i don't know the other thing i've seen floating around is that king is like subconsciously enhancing her magic now that he understands that he's a titan but i don't really see the i, I get the appeal mm. of that but i don't see it being yeah. a realistic idea at this point yeah like I, I really hope that like this gets like remarked upon by a character and they're like oh yeah it's because of this and it's like yeah it's because you had your palisman on you boost because, I mean, we've seen that she can, like, cast magic that is, like, pretty similar to her glyphs with a palisman, because she did it with Albert back in the Season 1 finale. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, at the time, she was, again, just mostly using, like, the same glyph effects with Albert, because at the time, she did, like, test out and experiment with other, like, combinations and stuff. But it's, like, very much the case of, like, yeah, she's definitely casting magic in a different way, <laughs> and nobody knows that at the moment, just because shit's bad. Yeah, busy. But, yeah, they busy, but the internet always sees stuff. <laughs> Pretty enough, this isn't, like, brought up at all on the wiki entry for the episode. It's interesting that they don't remark about this. <laughs> I will say, um... The, so they're... They use Gus's magnifying glass to, to locate the invisible guard. And they go for that guy. And they sure don't look for anybody else invisible, huh? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Like, maybe it's, like, they imply that they do actually, like, scan the perimeter that they're around but only see him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's just very funny that they're like, oh, we saw this one guy, time to fuck him up in particular. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I especially like how, like, after they tie him up and, like, they run past him, Hunter's just like, sorry, bud. <laughs> it's like, Hunter, you shouldn't feel bad about stopping the fucking fascists from wiping out the world. <laughs> especially when they would also turn you over to be dismantled and killed or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, as they go and rush for the front door, which again, I don't really know why they go for the front door, because, like, they know that's not where Amity's room is, whatever. Also, I've seen people also point out that the animation of them, like, skidding in front of the door is very funny. <laughs> it's like, there's no animation at all, it's just, like, their character models get moved in front of the yeah. door, <laughs> from the side. But yeah, as they get there, uh, Invisible Obamaton blocks their way and knocks over loose, but Hunter detaches its alarm from its head with a swipe from Flapjack's death, and... Willow just opens up, like, a plant dimension beneath it, and, like, just drags it in, and that guy's gone, gone for a bit. <laughs> and they then run over to where Amity's balcony is, with Luce just visibly blushing at the mere sight of her girlfriend's shadow on the curtains, <laughs> and uses another plank lift to reach the balcony, and she overhears Amity complain to N&M about how their mom broke the Tamagotchi, which, I guess this confirms that the Tamagotchis are a native thing to the Boiling Alice, because the Tamagotchi definitely has organic components and not just all metal. Yeah, <laughs> it sure does have a beating yep. heart in there. It does, and yet she's using, like... Is this, like, a, some sort of, like, palisman screwdriver? But Because it's, like, it's definitely causing, like, sparks when she's using it. Like, it's, like, uh... Like, it's, like, she's using it like it's, like, something like a welding torch yeah, or something like that, even though it looks is. like a screwdriver. Yeah. It looks like it's, like... Uh, bums Palisman a bit, like, free wind a little bit in the design, but it's, like, it's straight up, like, a screwdriver, but it's causing, like, lightning sparks and stuff like that yeah. for trying to fix it. So, like, I think what might be happening here, and this is just me kind of making an assumption based on what little I know of electronics, but um, the Tamagotchi has to have a battery in it, 
And if you touch a lead with a metal item, it's gonna make sparks. Yeah. So I think this might just be a regular screwdriver, and she's just kind of jabbing in there, hoping it to get it to... I, I mean, yeah, like, Amity does not know mechanics or anything like that, or electronics. So it's like, it could just be her just, like, frantically, like, poking and prodding at this thing, trying to figure out something. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what that is. Yeah, I mean, she's 14. She definitely doesn't know how to fix this thing. But she's just desperate trying to get it to work. But yeah, uh, as he's been trying to repair it to contact Luz, Ed just mentions that he and them got grounded for trying to burn the factory down, which, good good on you, kid. Just going <laughs> to setting something on fire. And Amity wishes that their mom would listen, but Em just points out that money always shouts louder than they ever could. So Amity thinks that their dad would definitely listen to them. I guess also because of like his character growth <laughs> back in reaching out, but she's like, oh yeah, he would maybe actually listen to us for a second compared to how he used to be. I just want to say, I love him trying to help here, but also, <laughs> um, maybe come up with another way to destroy the Abomination Factory other than setting it on fire. It's a factory <laughs> that makes liquid monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, to, from what we have seen, like, Ed and them, like, they aren't really, like, combatants when it comes to their magic. I mean, M is, like, I mean, they're both illusion specialists, but, like, M has some healing, and, like, uh, Ed only has, like, a little bit of, like, potion and beastkeeping knowledge, so it's, like, they're, they're not, like, as more, like, offensive as, like, most kinds of magic, like, especially compared to, like, plant and abomination kind of deal. I mean, yes, but also, we see the pipes that are full of goo flowing through the thing, just mix yeah, an exploding potion Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would take that. much, yeah. Doesn't seem like it would take much to break those, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. But we've yeah. seen plenty of potions that explode on contact, so. Yep, we, we saw Ed throw some at Coven Guards two episodes yeah, prior. <laughs> just fill the pipes with explosion goo and you're good to go. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. They haven't tried that yet, I guess. <laughs> that was, their first idea was oh, yeah, burn it down, and then immediately got caught. But yeah, uh, Amity sadly says that no one just is bothering to listen to them about the world ending and how she just wants to know that Luce is safe. And God, I like that we don't have asshole Ed and M anymore. <laughs> I like that that was only one episode when they were doing kind of shits because like M actually is here like helping to cheer her up a bit by asking what Luce would say to her right now. <laughs> Such a good change that they dropped that immediately after their first introduction of like, yeah, we should definitely mellow these two out <laughs> and make them actually likable. Definitely changed uh, their tone a lot faster than King did, unfortunately. <laughs> and Amity distracts herself by just, like, talking up, like, what Luce would tell her. Like, she'd be, like, dorky and sweet about it, telling her not to give up and that they'd find a solution. And while she's just, like, going on, like, a whole, like, self-conversation, like, just to herself, just talking aloud, Ed and them notice that Luce is on the balcony and just basically, unbeknown to Amity, just sneak out of the room, just give them some privacy. Yeah, she is <laughs> but basically I... giving herself a Commander Shepard motivational speech. <laughs> yeah, like, not talking to anybody but herself. Mm -hmm. And Amity ends with saying that she's not going to let the world end before they actually go on a real date, since it's been crazy and has prevented them from really spending much time together. And at that, Luz pipes up saying that she would say all of that. And then everybody knows that's just going to happen because the animation and framework kicks up a whole lot <laughs> at this. <laughs> Because Amity just full-on, like, leaps into Luce's weak nerd arms, <laughs> crying with happiness, that side of her. And Luce promises her that they'll have a regular-ass mundane date after this is all over, and that'll be awesome. And Amity agrees before setting the entire internet on fire with a kiss on the lips. Yeah. And everybody's like, shit, yeah, they did it now, but also, oh god, that means that shit's just gonna pop off a lot in other ways in the next couple episodes as a result if they're doing it now. But they did the thing, though. <laughs> they did the thing. 
We get we got what we wanted. We got Lucy returning the cheek kiss, and then we got the full proper kiss on the lips. But also, we still have four episodes to go. So, oh god, what's gonna happen now that they had to do this now instead? Just forty-five minutes of full-on makeups. <laughs> I mean, hey, if one of, if the last one of the specials is just a forty-five-minute-long date between the two of them, I will take it. I will be happy. <laughs> I want that. Resolve everything in the other two specials on the finale, and then it's like, yeah, the last episode is just them going on a date. I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the two of them freak out a bit about what happened, like Amity saying that she can't believe she just did that, while Luce is mortified that all she could say in response was, oh, crikey, <laughs> and now she has to be cooler next time. Again, forgetting that the reason why Amity fell for her is because she just is her normal dorky self, and she doesn't have to act cool around her, because <laughs> not really two dorks are cool. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Amity unfortunately has to change the subject about her problem with her parents being unaware of what they're doing, and she asks Luce for help convincing them to stop Bellows. And Luce agrees and shows her that King, Willow, Gus, and Hunter are outside as well to help. <laughs> it's fun. It's funny that she like says that that's why we're here, but it's like, no, you were here to rescue Amity. You weren't here to like convince her parents not to be shits. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a little bit of, like, weird descriptor of it, because, like, you were only here to save her. You were not here to convince Adelia and Aldor to stop. I mean, that might have been, like, a tertiary mission, but it definitely wasn't the plan when they walked in. I, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it might have been, like, yeah, a plot, like, plan A, rescue Ramony, plan B, if we can also fuck up the shipment of more abominations, I guess. Yeah, that feels like a very yeah. loose thing to me, because no way would uh, anyone at the cat's base tell her to do that, but I think she would come up with it yeah. pretty easily. Pretty much, yeah. But yeah, we quickly cut back over to the airship where uh, Lilith gives Ida an elixir to keep her curse under control before the day of uni. And I, I didn't notice this the first time I watched this, but I do like that Hootie is also in the Coven Guard outfit. <laughs> it's like, I don't think it'd be too hard for people to figure out who Hootie is, considering that A, it's Hootie, and B, he's in a backpack on Lilith's back. <laughs> but he's, like, very funny that, like, he actually did that because, because, like, he, like, well, he didn't cover it, but, like, earlier he was like, this is all just a plot to get me to wear clothes, and I don't like it, back when, like, King had the Coven, the Coven Guard outfit. Yeah. Which is like, Hootie, you're covered in feathers. I don't think that classifies you as being naked all the time. Especially if King doesn't count as naked for being like a little furry fox <laughs> dog creature. Yeah, but he's got a cape now. But yeah. Oh, true, he does have a cape. But yeah, it's just, it's a very funny image of like seeing Hootie dressed up in a Coven card outfit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ida uh, assures Rain that she's got this under control. And Rain again asks her if she's sure about this since the scissor would mean she wouldn't be able to cast wild magic ever again. But Ida just says that she's made peace with the fact that her curse is here to stay and that she'll never get rid of it. And she's, again, reiterates that she's glad to do this to help everybody. Which, again, also still kind of comes in, unfortunately, across as like just like some false bravado on her part, because that's kind of Ida. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Steven announces that they're almost there and hands Ida a cloaking stone, which we had seen before back in Reaching Out. And Ida uses it to look like rain, but again, like I said, the illusion is not complete because she still has her gold fang and her voice is still the same and she also like tests out her old abilities to by removing her head which rain is like both abused and displeased about because <laughs> it's just it's like funny but also it's like that's my head that's being attached from my body in a sense <laughs> yeah this was one of the <laughs> moments where they seemed very weird to me it's just because mm. they're there doesn't seem to be enough of a reaction if that makes sense yeah, like they basically maybe. just go, oh, weird, and that's it. 
Well, I think it's I think it's partially. I mean, I again, I really hope that the rain is the traitor is not actually the real thing here. I think it's just that they are just like a loss of words for seeing their own head get slippery from their body. <laughs> Because, again, that would be really weird if you saw a person transform into yourself and then detach a body part of your body. I don't know. I mean, if someone's turning into me after that point, everything's fair game. I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, continuing on, uh, Steve then puts on the sigil glove, and Ida says it's cool that she and Rain get one last adventure together as she goes to get branded. Which, again, she's visibly closing her eyes and wincing at the prospect because she doesn't want to do this but she has to yeah yeah uh this is again i don't like the fact that some of the promotional art that shows either has her grabbing at her wrist area where the sigil would be <laughs> don't love that <laughs> uh this finale is gonna fucking take years off my life <laughs> but yeah we immediately just, like, after that short scene, go back to Blight Industries, where Kikimura has returned for the last shipment, and the kids use an illusion of Coven outfits to blend in with her escort, which, again, you would think that they would realize that Kikimura only goes in with, like, two Coven scouts. When there's suddenly seven, it would be a little bit strange, but whatever. Or I guess six in this case, because, like, Luz tells King to stay outside and pretend he's, like, a guardian of the perimeter, because, again, she wants to keep him safe. Which, again, makes sense. It's like... You don't want to risk the living fucking Titan, who's an eight-year-old, but it's like, I don't know, I guess, like, I, again, I understand why King feels left out in this episode a lot, but it also makes a lot of sense to me, because it's like, you you are literally, like, one of the most important people in the world at this moment, <laughs> my guy, and you, you are a child, more so than Luce, you are a child, <laughs> but yeah, uh... King is just, like, bummed out about being left behind, but he gets another flash of the Collector's voice in his head, where the Collector is just talking to themselves, worried about, like, wondering if Bellos has been lying to them for hundreds of years, and how, like, they're tired of playing Bellos' game and want to play a new game. And they say that last line about wanting to play a new game in a very sinister voice. And again, I don't like... I don't like a lot of the implications here because of that fucking theory about Luce and the Collector, which, again, we will not say because Dana Terrace is listening <laughs> in. Hello, Dana Terrace. Dana Terrace, please, stop doing this stuff. <laughs> Make the ending be happy and gay. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, it's interesting to note that, like, yeah, it's not a, an actual, like, dream that he's doing. Like, he's just getting this, like, sense of what the Collector is thinking, like, while he's conscious and everything. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, he did make a connection with the Collector back in, uh, on Titan Trapper Island when he, like, set the, uh, the other, like, cr broken round boy on fire. So, yeah, shit's bad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not gonna be great with the fact that King has a direct connection with the person that is trying to get him murdered in order to free themselves. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but yeah. He then finds a trail of snack bags, like, just in the, the bushes there, and goes to check it out, because, again, King is an eight-year-old and can't focus on what he was told immediately, yeah. <laughs> and decides to immediately abandon the plan of protecting the perimeter and just going off. But meanwhile, it is, uh, Kimura is... It, it, it is more bags of hex mix that he finds, so I guess that's just yeah. the thing you eat when the world is ending. Well, th there, there, there is a variety that we'll see later on when he's eating the snacks, but it's like, it's like yeah, a lot of the bags are straight up the blue hex mix bags. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll get to that in a bit, because at this moment, Kikimura is shown the Abomatron by Odalia, which is an abomination mecha with a jetpack that was designed with Kikimura in particular in mind. 
guess it's like made especially for her to pilot it. Uh, the kids are just like watching this too, but sneak over towards Alador's workroom, but find it empty, except for a rat that looks just like Alador for some fucking reason. <laughs> Nobody commented about this rat on the Twitter. Like none of the crew have like said what this rat's deal is yet. They're just like some of them have been like, yeah, we were told to like design a rat that looks like Alador. I don't know why. <laughs> But it's like, people are like, is that his talisman? Or what's going on here? Because it like, straight up just looks like him, but as a rat. <laughs> so, who knows? Maybe we'll find out next episode that it's his talisman or something. We're not sure. But yeah, uh, Odalia then catches him doing this and tells him that the runes are off limits. And Hunter like quickly whispers to Luz to follow his lead and tries to cover for them by saying that Kikimura had been had told them about how the Blight's gadgets would be of great benefit to the Emperor. But when they are like, we'll go back to our duties, Kikimura immediately stops them because, again, she identifies Hunter based on his voice because, Hunter, please, my guy, you know that Kikimura is right there. You would think to, like, try to mask your voice a bit <laughs> or something. But whatever. Uh, uh, at that point, also, like, when they tried to escape, the, the guard in the Bamatan from earlier that they, like, ensnared and vines and stuff also show up to block the exit. And, like, Gus trips over, like, uh, I think it's, like, a pipe or something that on the ground, or, like, a wire or something, and just, like, this, that disturbs his concentration, and he just, like, loses the illusions over them. Which, again, not very good disguises, because it just straight up shows their hair and, like, facial features under those, like, Coven Scout outfits. So it's, like, it wasn't a very good disguise to begin with, but whatever. <laughs> Gus, you need to invest in, uh, Warcaster to maintain concentration, or at least have advantage, my guy. <laughs> it's a very useful feat. Uh, but again, we, for another very strange and quick scene, we go back over to Eden Rain where they land the airship and see a group of wild witches being rounded up, which pisses off Ida. And then again, we maybe cut back over to like King hanging out with Alidora on the swing set made of Abomination Goop. <laughs> so it's like, it, it feels like a very weird disconnected thing to just have that in there, but I guess I had to fill out a few seconds. I don't know. You know, like establish like yeah Ida is pissed about Wild Witches being rounded up again but she can't do anything at the moment because <laughs> she needs to maintain her cover I guess but yeah uh, Alador is just complaining aloud to King about how bad his wife treats him and their staff like saying that he had to like work through being sick and also like let go half the staff while they were sick so shitty boss and he eventually says that he should let like, King get back to his duties because he's just straight up calling him Mr. Guard. So it's like either King did not introduce himself or that was the only name he could come up with <laughs> as a cover. <laughs> it's not a good cover. But like, uh, yeah. Uh, King says that uh, the Emperor's coming mandates that he take a meal break, so it's all good. And Alador just admits that he doesn't feel accomplished on this big day with all the work he's done for it. And... Like, he just, like, kind of, like, is a bit sad and asks King if he has kids or anything like that, and he says, like, no, nah, I've never actually, like, known my dad at all, which makes Alador want to change and reconnect with his kids a lot more. Yeah. But King King decides at that point to basically break his disguise and come clean about the day you need him. Just being like, yeah, there's not going to be a day after tomorrow, though, my guy. And, like, yeah. <laughs> Leaves it a bit on a cliffhanger with them, because we cut back over to the kids all trapped in the force field made by the Abomatons. Uh, Sorry, did you have something No, bad? I was just going to say, this force field is very different than we've seen in the past. Like, we're going to get a little bit of an explanation, but we've never seen... This is a science device. It's not magic, right? 
And it's a yeah. science device on a level that is frankly incomprehensible compared to the rest of the technology in this world. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it'll be straight up, this force will be disabled with a remote control compared to directing the automatons to stop doing yeah. it. So, yeah, who knows? These Again, these are Abomaton 2.5, so maybe they work a little bit differently than the 2.0s we saw. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, while they're all trapped in the forest field, uh, Ed and them are caught trying to sneak off of Kikimura's airship. And for some reason, we just don't see them for the rest of this episode, even though it's like they're grabbed by some Abomatons and taken off. But it's like they don't think to like get Ed and them for their little mission at the end. <laughs> so whatever. Sorry, I guess Ed and them, you're not going to be in the finale. <laughs> But Ebony, again, tries to get her mom to see sense, but she's just having none of it, and outright blames her for the twins' behavior, even though the twins have been mischief-makers ever since before all this started really popping off, so it's like, you can't really blame Ebony for this, but at the same time, Odalia is just a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, Luz just, like, grills her by saying that Abby's just trying to help people, and Odalia just calls her a brat, which fully sets off Ebony as she shouts at her mom to not talk to her girlfriend like that. And this is where a lot of the funny memes about Odalia excusing fascism but not hom- but not homophobia <laughs> come up, because she says that they'll just find Abby a new gran- girlfriend who isn't a wanted criminal, not like re- re- not like retaliating in a bad way about Luce actually being Abby's girlfriend. Who gets again? Yeah. I know Dana has said that queerphobia doesn't exist on the Isles, which I appreciate, but it's like it is kind of funny that people keep bringing it up. Of like, yeah, <laughs> Odalia is like draws a line at queerphobia, but is willing to excuse away a lot of other stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, at this, Avani finally just fucking loses it, and is able to, like, turn her abomination restraints into her spike gauntlet to try to break open the force field, just punching it repeatedly. Very much like the, like, freeze frame of Luce's eyes sparkling with adoration when Avani breaks free of this, because <laughs> Luce is just policeman about this girl. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's very much more made apparent and funnier in the the boards for this scene because you straight up do see like the sparkle in Nusa's eyes definitely like so drawn much. way more, yeah like it's definitely made more explicit in the boards compared to the actual episode, but it's very funny. <laughs> but Amity can't quite break the shield though, and while she's trying this, Kikimura taunts Hunter about how Bellis will snap it in half, and wonders if like. She'll be made the new Golden Garden. It's like, Kikimura, that is definitely not a role you want. <laughs> I've seen people also interpret this as, like, them thinking that Hunter would actually be repurposed for parts to make a new Golden Guard, because maybe, like, the resources are getting so hard to find that Bellis would just have to basically chop him up and reuse bits of him, which is really fucking morbid. It is, and I don't know if it works like that, because this is magic yeah, who knows? and not Legos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I mean, maybe some of it works like organs. I mean, like, we know, like, Palastrum would access the heart in a sense, so it's like, who knows? Maybe you can Palastrum would transplant into another one. <laughs> but yeah, fucking morbid. Very grisly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Luz tries to, like, also stand up to him by telling Kiki to back off, and Kikimura just taunts her as well, saying that, like, oh, I'm surprised you're here. Shouldn't you be with your friends at the Day of Unity? Which, of course, immediately Luz reacts like, oh, fuck, they know. <laughs> and Kikimura does confirm that, yeah, Bills is fully aware about what the cats are planning to do. And at that, uh, Luz whispers something to Gus right before the shield breaks. We don't really hear anything about the details, but she definitely says briefly, like, okay, here's the plan, in, like, a really hushed voice. And, like, 
you know, again, we don't get confirmation about what it is, but Gus has, like, a look on his face of, like, oh, I don't want to do this, but he still nods his head in agreement, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, where was I? And, uh, right as that, like, as Ebony's about to hit the shield again, it fully breaks, and she's, like, looking her fist in disbelief, being like, wow, was it the, was it the power of believing myself? And her dad's like, no, honey, it was the power of science, but you were pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do like that, like, he has that little bit of encouragement, of like, yeah, you, you would have gotten in time, probably, sweetheart, but, like, yeah, I, I do like that he's, like, just, like, he has this moment of being like, nope, it was me, but you were close. <laughs> it's kind of cute. But yeah, uh, he also then tries his hand at convincing Odalia about what Bellis has planned, but based on her reaction, he just fully realizes she already knew and did not give a shit. <laughs> and yeah, she admits that what Bellis does with her products is none of her business, and that all she cares about is keeping the family ahead of everybody else, thinking that Bellis will reward them as a, like, as a position of nobility in the new world. I'm not sure whether or not she actually got this, like... Um, actual promise about this, or she just thinks she does, because there's no fucking way Bellis would make an exemption for anybody. Yeah, I think she got lied to big planned. time. Because she yeah. doesn't seem to realize that it's going to kill everyone. I think she thinks it's just going to create a new world order, or whatever. Yeah, who knows? Like, I'm not honestly sure what she actually was told, but it's like, I, it definitely does seem like she thinks that her, she and her family have an exemption of whatever's going to happen. She straight but up says like, that they're going to be royalty with crowns and all. And if you are royalty, yeah. that implies that there will be people to rule over. Yeah, which I guess also is like, yeah, that kind of does confirm that she doesn't realize that. No, even if she and her family are spared, everybody else will be dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'll, you'll be kings and queens of the ashes. So <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Elder also just fully has enough of this, and, like, we also see that, like, Amity gets the, like, full red-in-the-face anger thing from him, because he does it as well. <laughs> and he commands the Abomitons to surround Odalia, but she uses, like, one of those, like, Oracle stand ghost things to swipe the remote away from him. And Kiki, this is also something I noticed, uh, was also not mentioned on the wiki. Uh, Kiki Mora actually doesn't really have her, like, bubble shield helmet thing up at this <laughs> moment before she puts it up and, like, is zooming yeah. in for <laughs> it's a little animation error, unfortunately. But yeah, she just, like, is like, I don't want time for this and just, like, suits up and, like, goes to, like, try to step on the kids fully. But, like, the kids all dive out of the way, but Luce uses a flash step to get Willow out of the way. We haven't seen that yet, but I guess she has a palisman, so she's way stronger <laughs> now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. T totally not going to be something that gets revealed in like two minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kikimura grabs Hunter as he blows a raspberry at her, and I think, I think, I'm pretty sure that's the terminology, right? For like the whole like stick your, like, nose, at, your tongue out of somebody and like do the little like flick with your ears kind of thing of like, eh. Yeah, I think that's the word. I think we yeah. had this discussion I, once before, actually. I think, I think we did, yeah. <laughs> I forget. We've done a lot of episodes already. This is like episode 21. <laughs> or 20. 22. 22. Right, yeah, yeah, I keep forgetting about the include the, uh, the pilot, yeah, <laughs> that's why. But yeah, uh, Kikimura charges into the factory of Hunter, and Amity restrains her with, like, some abomination goop while Willow tries to attack her with vines, but she has to redirect them away because Kikimura just straight up uses Hunter as a human shield, and Gus basically surrounds her in, like, essentially, like, a darkness spell, but it's, I mean, it's straight up an illusion, but it looks like darkness, and... Kimura, since you can't see it, then just keeps shooting wildly at everybody and eventually blasts a hole in the ceiling. And she's like, fuck all y'all, I only need this guy, and just blasts off of Hunter. 
And again, Aldor has a very like great line here where he's just stoked that the jetpack worked, and then he's like, "Oh shit, the jetpack worked! Yeah. Fuck!" <laughs> like it was very much a case of like, "Yeah, this is an experimental thing that I'm not sure if it's gonna work." And then it's like, "Yeah, it worked! Wait, shit, it worked! Fuck!" He's a science boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a science boy, and it's very funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Odelia surrounds them with uh, vomitons at this, as like. The rest of them are just, like, squaring up to fight her and everything. Except, weirdly enough, Luce is just kind of, like, looking at her hands a bit. I don't know what her deal is here at the moment, <laughs> but she's a bit distracted. Uh, Amity just straight up tells her mom that she's never speaking to her again, which, yes, finally, go off, Amity. I agree with that, get, but get... it also feels like a little bit of a weak threat in this moment. I mean, she is, like, talking to her at the moment, yeah, but it's like, yeah, after this moment, not going to talk to you anymore, because fuck no, you. No, I mean, kind of like, in a situation where... Your mom has been deliberately attempting to aid the end of the world. I feel like never talking to her again is very weak as far as, uh, um, uh, you know, threats go. Uh, something more yeah. along the lines of, we're going to lock you up, or, you know. Well, I mean, Abedee's definitely like, we're going to fucking stop Bellows and then I'm never going to fucking talk to you again. But also, I mean, like, even if they didn't succeed at stopping Bellows, Amity won't die because she doesn't have a Kevin sigil. So she'll be fine. So it's like, yeah, I'm never going to talk to you again before you croak in an hour, Adalia. Fuck you, kind of deal. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Okay, yes, but all of that is just implication that Odalia doesn't yeah. have context for. In Fair. the moment, uh, Amity is just seeing the fact that her friend got kidnapped and then yelling that she's not going to talk to her mom anymore. This feels extremely yeah. teenager and not very, uh, it doesn't feel like a punishment that Aldalia would care about even slightly unless she had the context. Oh yeah, no, she, she definitely wouldn't. I mean, like, she even gloats about, like, you'll thank me later when you're a literal princess princess kind of line. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, no, screw this lady. <laughs> but at the same time, it makes sense that Emily would say this because she is a little teenager. <laughs> I mean, she, she's been pissed about her mom for a long yeah. time, and this is just all sending her off to, in a big way. <laughs> but yeah, uh, after this, like, Eldor finally also snaps and just fully destroys all their abomatons, disables some of them as well, and also busts up the whole factory with his own abomination magic, saying that what is actually best for the family is putting an end to all this rather than letting Odalia have her way. Yeah, it turns out and he's, Adal like, legendarily strong, I guess. I mean, he did win the Bonesboro Brawl as a kid, and, like, he fully just fucking handed Raf his ass and, like, just effortlessly back in, in episode 14. I, so, like, yeah, Alador is fucking great at stuff when he does. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very true that he won the Brawl, but as much trouble as we've seen our characters have fighting Abomatons, he just wrecks about 20 of them in half a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made them, so it makes sense he knows how to take them apart easily. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Odelia is like getting ready to fight back against them, but backed off when she sees that everybody else just stands their way, and also when Aldor just says that he fully fucking quits from Blight Industries. <laughs> so she just leaves saying that she'll find another business partner, which a lot of people interpret it as does this mean they're also getting a divorce? Hopefully, because she's a shit. <laughs> I mean, I doubt they have time for actual paper filing, but. <laughs> well, no, not the moment, but maybe afterwards. <laughs> Like, this will be, like, maybe an epilogue thing of, like, oh, yeah, ever since they got divorced, it's been so much better, because screw that lady. Well, yes, <laughs> she but you sucks. gotta remember, uh, she expects to survive this upcoming cataclysm, and she expects most people to not, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is not yeah, a divorce, this is definitely... her sending her husband to die. 
Yeah, except like she definitely won't be spared either because she straight up has a coming sense one. Yeah, no, absolutely. But that's what she thinks is happening. Is she's just yeah. putting him on the guillotine. <laughs> Pretty much. She's not pulling so, the string. Okay. She's just putting him up there. That's all. <laughs> yeah. She's standing by as they drag him up to the gallows. <laughs> but yeah. At uh, that, uh, everybody else runs over to the airship to chase after Luce, uh, or, oh, sorry, after Hunter. <laughs> uh, sorry, I messed up in my notes ah. here. And Eleanor offers to be their pilot, but at that point, he and Amity are, like, talking to Hunter, being like, yeah, uh, fuck, talking to Luce about, like, how they're sorry about Odalia and that she's always welcome there. But as soon as they go to, like, touch his shoulder, he poofs into being, uh, Hunter, because it's actually... Fuck, I think I mixed up by those a lot there. Yeah, there were a couple like, names yeah, back and they're, forth. Yeah, they, they, they were talking to Luz, but it turns out it was illusion and it's actually Hunter, because uh, during all this fight, Gus actually had a spell line going that at Luz's request to actually like disguise herself and Hunter as each other, because she knew that Kikimura would be gunning for Hunter to capture him, and also so that she could get to the cats to warn them that Bellison knows <laughs> about their plan. And we end the episode with Lucy's disguise also proofing as she's in like a little containment field being taken off to the head and everything is bad. <laughs> I don't know if this has any significance. Do you think it matters that the airship that the kids have stolen has the bard symbol on the blimp? Oh, I didn't even notice that. I don't think it matters. I think they might just have like multiple airships for each of the different Kevin's. That's kind of what I was thinking, but it also seems, mm. you know, they show a thing, yeah. that thing usually means something, you know? Prob yeah, usually, yeah, but like, I didn't even notice that that was the parts of the one, to be honest. Yeah, no, yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Been talking to her a lot, yeah. a lot of stuff happened that in the episode. Yeah, doozy. Um, yeah, because. Because again, to point out, Luz does not have her backpack in that shot where she's in the little bubble with Kikimura. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, she must have put her backpack down to protect her palisman, knowing that she would be grabbed and everything, and to make sure Pallas didn't just fry up an egg in front of her. Kind of deal. Hmm. So, so we know that she knows that Bellows had a bunch of palismans in his soul. Does she know that he actually eats them? Yeah, she saw that in the season one uh, finale, or the, the two-parter, rather. She saw it in the first part when she, like, follows Lilith to the throne room, because she looks at, uh, she looks through the keyhole and sees Bellows open up the talisman, and that freaks her out and makes her run away. Goodness. It's been a while. I'd forgotten that yeah. entirely. And, and, yeah, and also, she also reiterates this to Hunter back in Hunting Palisman, because, like, when, like, he's about to, like, attack her to get the Palisman, she tells him, like, hey, do you really want to do this? I know what Bellus does with these. Okay, that's And fair. you also yeah. know what he does with these. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's aware that he also, that he does drain them for food, <laughs> or they, basically. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I definitely see that as, like, yeah, she realized that, like, since she would be grabbed, it would probably damage her palisman in the backpack, but also because she's like, if I'm going to be taken directly to Bellas, I definitely don't want to feed him this precious little baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that means that next episode we'll see whether the uh, spill circle thing is related to the palisman or not, huh? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Depends on how many glyphs Luce has on her, not in her backpack, <laughs> just in her jacket, I guess. I don't know. I feel like in the most recent five to ten episodes-ish, she just kind of has an inexhaustible supply. It doesn't really matter how many yeah. she uses or drops. She's just got more. Yeah, she she has, like, uh, pockets of holding where she just has tons and tons of glyphs in them. It, it would not shock me, since this is Ida's jacket, if it was enchanted to have. This, this is true, yeah. <laughs> just has bottomless pockets. 
But yeah, that's that's that episode. Uh, do we want to do the questions that we have before we get the trivia? Because I've been yeah, talking. Yeah, we can do that. Sure thing. <laughs> there is one thing that I wanted to point out about this episode, mm-hmm. and I kind of missed it when you went past because I was you were in the middle of a sentence and I didn't want to interrupt you. But uh, mm-hmm. so the, the 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 kids are illusioned up to look like Emperor's Coven guards, right? And they go over to check yeah. out Alador's lab. At which point, Odalia confronts them, and Hunter's excuse is, we've heard of your machines, and we think they would be good for the Emperor's Coven. Are you joking, Hunter? Did no one ever teach yeah, you how like, to lie? <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're already have a partnership with the Blights to get their You are literally there to get the machines. last shipment of their machines. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I guess, like, the way he was thinking is, like, he was like, oh, yeah, like, uh... You know, we had heard that they were so impressive and wanted to see them uh, ourselves that were in development in the lab kind of deal or whatever. But it's like, yeah, it's a very bad yeah, lie. But at the same time, it doesn't matter the quality of his lie because, like, he's really caught afterwards by Kikimura because, again, Hunter's voice is distinct. I mean, yes, that is true. But in the moment, this is what he thinks is going to work. And what he thinks is going to work is... yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's also a case of like, I mean, again, their disguises are not very good to the point where their hair sh- still shows at certain points, and it's like, Odalia definitely does see a girl coven scout with lavender hair, just like her daughter, <laughs> and does not put two and two together. <laughs> so it's like, how do you not realize this? Like, and also, like, you've heard Luz talk multiple times to you, it's like, and she also talks to Odalia there too, and it's like, how does she not catch on to who that is either? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that he doesn't know, like, Gus and uh, Willow, which I definitely like Willow's line of, like, I'm a gadget gal myself, or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, like Willow's line there is very funny, but at the same time, she wouldn't know who she is. <laughs> That's, well, no. I mean, Odalia would know Willow. She and um, Amity used to be friends. Uh, f- true. She she would probably recognize Willow, but I feel like that. I mean, the last time she's really seen Willow was back when, like, Amity and Willow were, like, six or seven, so it's like, you know, she sounded like way younger back then so it's like yeah you could feasibly say that she wouldn't be able to identify willow's voice now because she hasn't seen her at all in that amount of time um, i'm struggling to remember didn't they have an interaction during the episode where she was trying to get them expelled uh i think so i mean she at least saw willow there but i don't think willow or Gus really spoke up during that i think it was mostly amity and Luz talking to odelia and alador during that that's how that usually goes yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think for the most part, yeah, Gus and Willow were more or less silent during that. Okay. Um, yeah, well, that's all the, th- the notes I had. Did... <laughs> um... Yeah, no, no I, I don't really have much else. Like, I have some bits of trivia that I'll bring up when you get to it, but again, uh, we should do questions first because I'm talk- tired of talking at the yes, moment. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So, if you'd like to send us questions, you can find us at usweirdoscast on Twitter and uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com. Um... We have a, well, no, we have several questions. <laughs> I built that up so hard and then killed it right in the middle. <laughs> uh, from Aurora Borealis, at Casey Cosmos on Twitter, uh, what do you think will happen in the final episode of this season? <laughs> so this, this is what I mentioned I wanted to hold off on earlier when I was talking about like how King was like telling Eda not to say that this is like final goodbyes. <laughs> I kind of think that there is a possibility that Ida might actually die in the finale. Not the specials, like, next episode. I feel like there could be a chance. Uh, 
like I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, there's also like the fact that like so much of the promotional imagery is also like King's detached skull, and yeah. it's like I don't think they would kill King necessarily because he's like eight and the child and everything. But it's like, at the same time, it'd be really fucked up if they did because it's like I, 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 I don't know. I, I guess. I'm mostly thinking along the lines of, like, how Amphibia's finale went, where, like, really nobody died. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, spoilers for Amphibia all over, and especially the finale, like, Anne technically died, but she's fine. She's, like, a copy now. <laughs> Even though she, like, <laughs> points out, like, yeah, I'm sure that's gonna fuck me up later on, but I'm gonna choose to ignore it at the moment. But it's, like, nobody stayed dead, but it's, like, you mean, for so long, everybody was, like, oh, yeah, like, Grime could die or something like that, or, like, Andrew's probably gonna die. And, like, Anne would probably lose an arm and Sasha would lose an eye. And, like, none of that happened. <laughs> but it's, like, I mean, hey, Grime lost an arm, so I guess we got partial credit and somebody <laughs> lost an arm. But it's, like, I don't know. I feel like Owl House is, like, slightly on a different level where it's, like, yeah, I could see them actually kill off a major character next episode. I don't like, think I am, it like, stick. And... I don't know. Because, like, I mean, like, we don't have, like, any, like... We don't have any magic on the same level as, like, the fucking uh, Calamity Gems being literally from a cosmic entity that watches over the multiverse kind of deal in this show. Well, I mean, I get that there's, like, powerful magic and everything, but it's, like, I don't know. Like, I I could see them, like, legit kill Ida or even, like, Rain or maybe even Lilith in the next episode and they stay dead because... Rain or Lilith, maybe. I don't see them killing Ida permanently. What I wouldn't be surprised by is if they kill Ida at the end of the episode... And then in one of the specials, we get a sequence where the L Beast refuses to let her die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe she like gets permanently turned into Harpy either and can't like revert out in order to save her life or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like maybe the L Beast would be like, yeah, unfortunately you're stuck like this because if you revert back to human, your mortal injuries would take you the fuck out. Yeah. So you gotta be permanently a magical beast person. I just, since we know that the L Beast has a history with the Collector, it makes sense to me for it to have to need more screen time and if we kill Ida in the next episode i don't think that plot line gets resolved sufficiently yeah, th- 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 this is fair yeah unless it's like unless we get a little bit about that and it's the collector that kills Ida. yeah that's I, possible i don't, I don't know <laughs> no i just yeah no. while i would be willing I mean, to believe that someone would die by the end of the series i just don't think it'll happen in the next episode and if it is Ida, it's definitely gonna come with a big flashy revival that ends with her dying permanently yeah but like at the same time Ida's also had so many instances of like obvious death lag throughout the entire yeah show. and she's been fine every time <laughs> Yeah, but eventually it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna work out for her. She keeps tempting fate. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what if uh, we kill her body, but her severed head is still around? <laughs> we we uh we save Vita's head, put it in a jar, and eventually we put her on an automaton <laughs> or automaton, so she can just be a mecha pilot just now. Stick her in the forever. library, Futurama style. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I honestly also don't know what else could really happen in this episode, because again, it's like, you have to remember, there's still the three specials to happen, so it's like, whatever happens in this, it's not going to be fully resolved for the specials, because <laughs> like, I mean, like, so many people are so convinced that the Lucian Collector thing is going to happen with like the last thing in this episode, and then the specials will be like trying to undo that, or dealing with that stuff, but it's like, that's that's a pretty big thing to happen, that then they only have like two hours of show time to fix and un- like figure out how to stop 
kind of yeah. deal. But at the same time, it's like, the, the ep- these episodes go so fucking fast and so much happens to them anyway that it's like, yeah, I guess two hours would be enough time. Because, like, we already had, like, Amphibia's whole, like, part two finale kind of deal, like, end in, like, uh, how long was it? Like, the, the season, the, the episodes before the finale was, like, 40-ish minutes or 50 minutes 40. or so? And then, like, yeah, it was, like, something like 40, and then, like, uh, the finale was, like, 29 minutes. So it's like, yeah, they've resolved all that stuff in, like, an hour and a half or so. Not not even, like, an hour 15. So it's like, yeah, I guess they have plenty of time to <laughs> figure stuff out with this. But it's like, it just feels like there's a lot. <laughs> I don't know. My personal story preference aside... I feel like, from a storytelling perspective, it would be a bad move to take away your main character three episodes before the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is that, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I do not believe that they would actually kill off one of the kids is a thing. Like, I mean... No, absolutely, Amity, I'm talking about the thing who, that we're yeah, not like, going to say. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there is that. But, like, I mean, she would still be around, in a sense. <laughs> Just not the way we want her yeah. to be. <laughs> But yeah, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, I feel like Luce, Abity, Hunter, Gus, and Willow are definitely all safe. Like, I don't think they would, like, kill off any of them, uh, uh, especially with, like, how much time we spent with them. I would fully believe that Hunter would get killed off, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I mean if if one of the five of them is a candidate to be killed off, it, yeah, I feel like Hunter would be definitely be that, because, like, Hunter, Hunter would definitely go out trying to protect the others, especially Willow, because of all the times that he definitely saves Willow. Because yeah. again, like, despite all my uh, mistakes there and flub ups, like, yeah, it was straight up him doing its five step to protect Willow because again, <laughs> Hunter does not know how to deal with these feelings, but he definitely has a crush on Willow at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, he would definitely go out in a blaze of glory trying to protect Willow or lose from Velos or something like that if any of these characters would die. But also, I don't want him to die because I like Hunter. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I just feel like narratively, he seems like the most likely to die. IMO. Mm, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Just because of the arc he's had. Even, like, comparing him and Ida, he still feels like a more likely death candidate to me just because of the position he has yeah, been put he... in. Yeah, he, he still kind of really hasn't apologized as much for, like, a lot of the stuff he's done to a lot of them. Like, he, he really hasn't apologized for, like, attacking Luce and Abity <laughs> in a big way. Like, he, he I'm surprised he didn't have a line to be like, hey, I'm just, like, so fucking sorry I did take the key from you. I fucked up big time. <laughs> that is fully on me. It's like, yeah, you should definitely have that conversation with Abity at the least, considering that he literally fought her almost to the death over it. <laughs> Like, Amity was ready to kill him about the key. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amity will not hesitate to stab a guy. <laughs> nope, she definitely won't. And hopefully we see a lot more of that in the next couple episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's just... That's the big question mark for me. Because we know that, um, that the adults have their plan to infiltrate and ruin the spell. And we know that Luce is on her way over there. So my question mark is where the rest of the kids come in. Is this, like, a... Are they going to try and save Luce, or are they just sitting around I, doing nothing until something goes I bad? I mean, they, they were, I mean, they were getting on the airship when they like realized that Luce and Hunter swapped places, and it's like pretty sure that they are definitely gonna chase after her and try to help because like I don't think that they would just sit idly by. Because I mean, like, I mean, again, like Hunter has really not apologized for a lot of the things he's done, but like all of them were very much ready to go help him, even Alador. So it's like. 
when they realize that it's like, yeah, no, it's actually loose, they're like, oh, fuck, we are definitely going to go help her. Yeah, but <laughs> if, like, we were this, if we were this committed about helping Hunter, we are definitely more so about helping Luz. I feel like it's important to note that Willow was the one bashing the controls and freaking out about how to get the thing to fly. She was, like, the one leading the Hunter yeah. charge. And her friends were going to yeah. go with her, but I don't think they were, like, as committed. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like they weren't, they pro the rest of them probably weren't as committed because it is Hunter, but at the same time, once they realized it was Zeus, they were very much like, oh shit, okay, let's, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are definitely, I mean, I, it's been pretty awesome mimetic of people like like taking that clip of like Amity's reaction when she realized that it's Hunter of her just being like, oh fuck, I'm a lesbian that touched the guy, oh no! <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> oh fuck. This is a thing to maybe ask. So Gus knew that Kikimura had loose, he knew that that was the plan. Uh, when yeah. you created that big darkness blob, blob so that nobody could really see her, do you think that that was part of the plan also, so she would just leave? Because if they had defeated Kikimura, yeah. then she wouldn't have taken loose to Bellos and wouldn't be able to potentially save Ida. She had to escape. Yeah, that that might have also been something they agreed upon of like, yeah, like you have to let her take me kind of deal because I have to get to Ida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fucked up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, as Ida has said, Luce is a little child. She shouldn't have to do this stuff. But at the same time, that's why everybody loves Luce and Seda. She is such because a she is a chaos monster. All... <laughs> she, she is a chaos monster, but also a gem. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Luce did admit to Emily that she knows she always goes for the chaotic route. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, again, we don't know what the fuck really could even happen this finale. There, there's too many angles. There's... There, yeah, there, there's too many potential outcomes of what's going on. There's, like, too many, like, variables that are still up in the air where it's, like, we we still really do not know the collector's deal of, like, why they were imprisoned in the between to begin with anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, I mean, probably because they, like, literally tried to, like, fight the Titans and the Titan might have, like, gave its life to imprison them in the in-between, which is why the Titan is now a corpse. That seems pretty likely like, given that the collector has specifically it's... referred to being trapped beneath the Titan's bones. Yeah, it's possible that that's what's been going on, but it's like, we really don't know what the Collector's deal as a whole is, with like, who the fuck they are, why are they going after the Owl Beast, why they're apparently this, like, super dangerous individual, <laughs> like, why they have a fucking cult praising them, but again, I guess that's just because they view them as the yeah. god, but... And the yeah, other thing that makes it know. really hard to predict what happens next is just how many wild directional swings this show takes. Like, for all yeah. we know, the next episode could 100% be Skara goes to a party, and also the Day of Unity is in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like Skara and her friends being like, I don't know, I think shit's going off over there. And it's just like in the background, you just see like Harpy Ida fighting people. <laughs> yeah, very possible. <laughs> like, for yeah, this yeah, show. We're... yeah, weird. Uh, why, why, why is Luz being dragged off by Kikimura? Uh, weird, eh, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, no, I, I I, mean, I don't think it could possibly be something like that. I feel like this episode is going to be fucking meaty as hell, and the one thing I think I'm safe in saying is that Lucy's Palace will not hatch in this episode. <laughs> It'd be cool if it does, but I'm also prepared to have to wait months again to find out what it That's is. That's probably true. Yep. Um, yes, uh, Aurora also asks, uh, why do kids love the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch? 
And which I have to ask, do kids actually like Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Uh, well, that is the uh, advertising slogan I know, for the commercial. Yeah, I know it's the tag. I know it's the tagline, but like, I feel like Cinnamon Toast Crunch is kind of a mediocre cereal that people really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I I sure didn't like it much, so I honestly can't answer this. <laughs> it's like a C tier cereal. I, there's so many more I'd rather eat than that. <laughs> really? How fascinating. Yeah. I, the trouble is, and people aren't going to like me for saying this, the trouble is most cereal is garbage. Yeah, there. I mean, there is that. Like, I mean, even, like, the best cereal is, like, a, like, low B, really, because most cereal is just sugary shit. <laughs> right. But what I'm trying to get at here is that all cereal is garbage. Cinnamon Toast Crunch may not be, like, exceptional, but what it does have is a unique spot. Nobody else does the cinnamon cereal for the most part there have been like challengers to the throne but yeah yeah i guess, I guess there is that yeah like there's like occasionally stuff like cinnamon cereals and whatnot yeah. but yeah it's like cinnamon toast crunch is like the cinnamon cereal exactly yes and i think apple jacks tried to take that for a while but that didn't work uh, out. Yeah, yeah 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 i think they did for a while before they're like yeah no this is a failure yeah exactly so yeah. uh while I don't think that Cinnamon Toast Crunch is necessarily good, I think the reason that kids like it is because it's unique. <laughs> mm. yeah. And yes, this is me thinking entirely too much about cereal. That's my job on this show. Thinking too much about <laughs> things you shouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's not us talking about the, the, the sapphic witch show at all. No, it's us talking about cereal, Star Wars, and D&D. Okay, but listen, though. <laughs> and, occasion, and, occasion, and occasionally Mass Effect. <laughs> we haven't got into it, but... Oh, jeez. The thing is, is that uh, serial mascot histories are one of my hyperfixations, so... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's very interesting, yeah. So, yeah. It's like... It's like that's like one of those things that I imagine that there's probably like a couple of like very niche like YouTube channels all about that. Very probably. Like kind of yeah. like the like kind of like the equivalent of like the Funkland or uh, Bright Sun Films talking about like yeah here's why all this like all these like Disney properties in particular crashed and burned because Disney always makes bad ideas <laughs> for their parks and whatnot. Do you know Captain Crunch used like, to no, have this villains. Is just about. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm sure it exists out there. It has to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't found it, but that's definitely something that I would actually watch on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you do watch the Fun Clan, right? I do not. I barely watch anything on uh, YouTube at all. Bummer. Pity, you should definitely watch it if just to like see the latest Garfield Dark Ride one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very great how, like... The best way to summarize all the stories that uh, Kevin Perger got about the Garfield Dark Ride yeah. is just him tweeting out, like, I don't want to say this in a polite way, but a lot of you were really gay on the Garfield Dark Ride. I am quite familiar <laughs> with the saga of the Garfield Dark Ride, even though I haven't watched that video. <laughs> it permeates culture. Okay, yeah, no, I, I had never seen it. Oh, weird. I, here's the thing. I'd never actually heard of the Garfield Dark Ride until it came up on the Funkland, because, like, I knew that... I, I heard about it back in, like, March when Perjurer was putting the mm -hmm. episode together and, like, getting the emails for it and everything to hear all the fucked up stuff people did on that <laughs> dark ride. But, like, no, I, I had never known that there was a Garfield dark ride, really. Okay, well, see, the thing is, is that uh, theme park nonsense is another one of my special interests, so... <laughs> I mean, then, yeah, you would definitely like the Funkland, then. Because <laughs> a lot of it... I mean, hey, again, it's daunting to say, but you should definitely also probably watch the, like, hour and 40-minute-long episode about lines that he also put out. Honestly? <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
it it is a very like I, I don't want to say really like, relaxed video, but it is super interesting to learn like the history of Fast Pass and how like lines got so fucked up because of Fast Pass over the years. Oh well, I mean, like not not just at Disney, but like like as a whole, like Fast Pass is like just a thing that's like in so many places. I mean, like it's straight up in airports with like the preferred seating and everything with like the boarding yeah. uh, rates and everything. But it's like, yeah, like, FastPass really fucked up a lot of stuff, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, it, it very much did. Like, and... like yeah, that, that like that video focused a lot about, like, how there are, like, so many individual Disney Channel, like, uh, YouTube accounts that are just about being able to maximize FastPass and, like, getting those, <laughs> like, FastPass as soon as you can. Because now, apparently, you can get FastPasses, like, two months out from your actual visit. This is correct. You have to get up at, like, 7 a.m. to get this shit. And it's so fucking messed up and convoluted. Uh, it's it's a great episode, but also it is super long. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying very very hard mm -hmm. to resist. I I know you're they're talking about this right now, and mm -hmm. I desperately want to talk about this, but we can't talk about it's this. Also, this will destroy. Yeah, it's also this um, it's, it is also almost midnight. To be fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did start a little bit later than usual because stuff happened. <laughs> I just This is fair. Yeah, no, you don't you don't want to get me talking about <laughs> Um okay, yes. Final question. Uh also from Aurora Borealis. This is actually like four questions in one. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually like three or four. <laughs> uh what is your favorite moment of the season so far? Favorite joke? What weird background character will somehow become important? My money's on the evil skull. See, here's the thing. I need to know like what evil skull. Like, I think I think Aurora is referring to the skull that's like that weird like horse skull yes, from, so, from really the... small problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I guess like the one thing I can really think off the top of my head of like a background character would be important is like Ida still has the Bat Queen's whistle mm -hmm. for like calling in a favor. I feel like that has to show up at some point. That like I don't sense. know if that would be like in one of the specials, but like I could definitely see it be like she has the whistle on her just in case and she calls on the back queen to help with the day uni stuff okay hear me out a background character mm -hmm. that suddenly becomes important for some reason do, do not say tibbles <laughs> i was gonna say um tibbles <laughs> gets possessed by the collector <laughs> tibbles is dead we've established this twice already <laughs> He's super dead. He's never coming back again. There's only four episodes left. <laughs> okay, but once he gets possessed by the Collector, then he'll really never come back again. <laughs> Collectibles is not a theory I've seen anyone say. It is now. <laughs> but yeah, now that we, now that I've said the word t Collectibles, of course, since we have established multiple times Dana Terrace is spying on our podcast, she is frantically already at work rewriting the entire script for the rest of the show. To make it be Tibbles that gets possessed. Collectibles is also a delicious pun. <laughs> oh, oh god damn it, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Collectibles de Collected Tibbles definitely sounds like a like Disney property of like all those stupid blind bag things that they advertise <laughs> between like in commercial breaks. Because like, God, so many of their fucking commercials these days are just, hey kids, you wanna buy fucking loot boxes but in real life now for toys? Yeah. It's like no that sounds horrifying to be a parent and, and with buying kids stuff like that. <laughs> Sounds miserable. But, um, yeah, I don't know. As to the other questions, I think this is going to sound like a betrayal, but I think it's got to be the Amity Hunter fight in Eclipse Lake. 
it is a very good scene yeah it's like it's like one of the like aside from like the like Lilith and Ida fight it's like one of the first times that the show really has like super crisp animation it is and it's like and yeah it's like it is it is such a good scene. the thing that I really like about it specifically is that it gives us a chance like this is the first time we really get to see Amity shine on her own every other time yeah. she's there in kind of a assisting capacity you know she's helping do the thing she's standing on the sidelines she's doing whatever this is her moment and it's really the only big moment she gets so i think that's why it sticks with me so much mm-hmm. yeah uh god i'm trying to think of like what would be this i i I guess I'm mostly thinking along the lines of, like, what scene has made me cry the most mm-hmm. to, like, really get a response out of me. And, like, I, I feel like it's kind of, like, if I go by that logic, it has to kind of be, like, the conversation about, like, Luz telling Amity that, like, the day that uh, reaching out took place on was the day her dad yeah. passed away. And how she was just miserable the entire time because she just couldn't be there with her mom for that day. I guess actually, uh, I think it's actually more like right at like sometime after that when like they go and pick the flowers and send them off into the sky is like definitely like oh yeah that's just that's a good nice scene and it's like it's also like the one of the embodiments of like just how good and healthy their relationship is where it's like they're willing to listen to each other and be there for each <laughs> other compared to like so many shows of this ilk that we see where it's like the character gets together with a person that they had a crush on for a while and then like there's a bit of like a time skip and they're just fighting a lot yeah. like i'm mostly thinking along the lines of cora right here if it's not obvious <laughs> because it's like god we had so much in season one of that being like shoehorned down our throats that cora and mako like each other even though they have no chemistry <laughs> and then big surprise they had no chemistry and are now being at odds with each other and break up yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah it's like also i mean mako's a piece of shit because he's like kind of two-timing cora with asami again in that season that second season so it's like also not great because of that so yeah, no, I get. I, I mean, again, there's a reason why, like, a lot of the artists I, like, show off on this show just to, like, put a spotlight on them is also always people that just do cute Luminian fans <laughs> because it's just nice to see. Yeah. Like, it's, it's again, like, a very nice, well-portrayed relationship between two girls that are still trying to figure shit out because they are like, we are 14 and don't know sh- what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> I mean, it's like, again, like very much like the bit where it's like, it's Amity, like right after she's like embarrassed about having kissed loose on the lips. And it's just like her there with like her eyes so tiny and her blushing a lot, but it's like her mouth is just like such a tiny little smile. <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah, you say they're... Where she's like, yep, I... Hmm? Oh, you say they're trying to figure things out and they don't know what they're doing, but like at the same time, Amity is a hundred percent like best fictional girlfriend in media ever she just i don't know she's like so emotionally intelligent and knows how to deal with a relationship in ways that are so yeah like like she's like a lot of the time again with relationships like this we always see like a character like kind of going behind the back of another to figure things out and it's like we never see that family like she's always respectful and like realizes that Luce is going through some shit and like never goes behind her back to try to figure it out without her consent and she always just is like yeah no just please tell me what's going on so I can try to help kind of deal which we see multiple times in season 2b in particular but it's like I mean it's it's like very much a case of like yeah she's realized this stuff and knows that she can trust Luce because like she is very much super like conscious about how tenuous it could be based on how fucked up her upbringing was because like back in like what's like she is very 
like worried about the status of their relationship because she thinks that at a drop of a hat yeah. like it could go bad but it's like yeah but in the time between then and when season 2b starts like she's like oh yeah no Luce is not that kind of person like I do not have to like worry about that stuff so I will respect her boundaries too because <laughs> again a lot of times we don't see that really happen with characters in relationships and shows because a lot of time it's always them at odds with each other yeah extremely so or another yeah but yeah, they are, they are such well-written characters, and it's still fucking criminal that Disney Channel fucked over the show so hard. Yeah, I mean, I'll fully admit, and this is, maybe this is heresy or whatever, but Luce is not an especially good girlfriend at this point. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, she definitely has, like, I mean, it makes sense why she's, like, not been able to be there a lot, because she has been, like, too focused on trying to figure things out by herself because she feels very responsible about stuff <laughs> yeah no absolutely she's definitely been going through a ton of stuff but that also means that what we've portrayed of the relationship so far it's basically amity doing all the heavy lifting and loose kind of not which you know this is important and i hope we get to see that develop but uh yeah so that's <laughs> I don't know why we got onto See, that this... subject. We were talking about what our favorite moment was. Well, yeah, but I mean, again, like this again reiterates why the last special should just be a forty-minute-long date. Between yes, the two they of need them. the so time. We can... So this way, yeah. So this way, we can have that bit of like Luce being the one who like takes the lead because like it's something I brought up in the Discord, but it's like a lot of like, it was something I saw pointed out on Twitter. But it's like Amity usually is the one taking the lead in their relationship. Like she's the one that's like engage with like the initial kiss on the cheek and then this kiss as well like she's the one that's like always like being the one that like stands up for loose and like kind of establishes where she wants things to go kind of deal and it's like it's just basically like loose is like oh yeah like see how she reacts to it kind of deal <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's... yeah she knows what she wants and it is this dorky human idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just you know, between the her always taking the lead and her always having to be the emotionally intelligent understanding one, it just it puts a lot of the burden on her. And I want to see Luz take a little bit of that weight, you know? Yeah. Again, give us the date episode. We will gladly eat it up with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, like, favorite jokes so far in the show, because, like, the show has a lot of jokes that are just really good. Yeah, uh, honestly, I have no idea. There's so many, and I can't tell if jokes are in the show or if they're Mooring Mark comics. It all blends together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is that, yeah. There are so many, like, fan comics, especially by Mooring Mark, that it's like, was this a comic, was this a comic joke or a show yeah, joke? Yeah, exactly. I uh god i'm trying to think now i mean <laughs> you would think after us doing this for like 20 something weeks in a row that we would remember a little bit more about yeah. stuff we talked about but i'm trying to remember really stuff that came up i mean the show's favorite uh, joke is calling hunter's voice annoying but i don't really know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's really just more that xena robson has the same voice and like people just keep bringing it up <laughs> no reason uh Fuck, I'm really trying to struggle with yeah, this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, I mean, again, it's us thinking... It's us trying to, like, remember, like, tw uh, fucking 39 episodes off the top of our heads and being like, oh, yeah, jokes so far. And it's like, I mean, I, I guess, like, just off the top of my head, based on trying to remember, like, 
the fact that I still laugh at every time that, like, we get that beginning scene in the very first episode of, like, Luz narrating Lizura, uh, Azura being like, no, eat the sucker, yeah. and then the snake being like, no, my one weakness, dying. It's like, the fact that that still makes me crack up at times, it's like, that, that I feel like is like, again, me, when I first saw that scene, when I was first watching the show, I was like, okay, this is the kind of show this is, yep, I'm into this already. <laughs> I don't know if this was intended to be a joke, but I think... What it is for me is in um, Follies at the Coven Day Parade, when Amity recognizes what's going on specifically because Luce just copied the plan out of one of the Azura books, mm-hmm. that's... <laughs> yeah, like Amity just sighs herself like, oh god, of course Luce would do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be a joke that Luce did it, but it's very funny to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it definitely is played up for comedy because, again, it is a 14-year-old trying to, like, give a cover for kidnapping a person and failing at it somehow, <laughs> but everybody still buys it somehow. <laughs> yeah, like, Luce had this, like, big elaborate plan to try to get uh, Kikimura away from the parade and also get Rain and Nita back <laughs> together, but did not actually think about the specifics. Because, again, she is very distracted by other yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that is all yeah. our questions for this episode. <laughs> Alright, uh, well, rolling back to trivia because we skipped over for the bit. Uh, I have a few bits here that actually we really have kind of covered a little bit of it about like stuff like, uh, like people like thinking that Steve is the fake, but it could also be that Rain is the traitor, kind of stuff <laughs> like that. But yeah, we've got a little bit. Uh, apparently the person who did the animation for the kiss was Tom Barkle who was like one of the lead animators on Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, that makes sense. This was like. Yeah, this is something that uh, Rebecca Rose confirmed on Twitter. So, like, she, she brought it up, and then, like, pretty sure Tom Barkle also just, like, responded to that tweet being this crikey. Because, <laughs> again, everybody was just saying crikey in relation to this episode. Because <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the most succinct way to be like, yep, this, this is how you know that you watched this episode and are stoked about it. <laughs> I guess that's also a good runner-up for, like, best joke, of just the fact that, like, yeah, Luz finally, like, gets a straight-up kiss from her girlfriend, and all she can say is the Crocodile Hunters thing. I mean, it's good, don't get me wrong, but it's also literally a joke from The Good Place, so... Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't... I, didn't, I have not seen The Good Place. Yeah, the, uh, there's, like, several seasons of tension or whatever, and then when the main character and the love interest finally kiss, she says, and I'm quoting here, Hot diggity dog. Oh no, now the first thing I said after you kiss me will always be hot diggity dog. Oh yes, I did see this, I did see a version of that being spoof with Lucy and Ebony as well, where it's like they do the kiss and it's like Lucy says hot diggity yeah. dog. <laughs> I did see a variant of that, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure that that was that, but yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> Uh, another thing I have here, uh, the scene where Luce, like, is on the balcony is likely both a shout-out to Romeo and Juliet, because, like, there is that balcony scene in that, and it also doubles as a reference to how Luce failed at the tryouts for the role of Juliet back in her school play all the way back in Season 1, Episode 1, <laughs> where she's now playing the role of Romeo, and basically living out her, like, whole, like, fantasy of, like, being the knight in shining armor to her damsel in distress kind yeah. of deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Wait, what? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, just a little thing I also note down here. Uh, this is also only the second time in the entire show that Ida detaches her head. <laughs> <laughs> the only other time was also way back in Season 1, Episode 1. To be fair, she didn't detach it willingly. That was Warner Rap chopping it off. But, like, it's kind of funny that, like, yeah, so many times it's been, like, Ida detaching her hand or sometimes her feet. But it's, like, this is the, literally the second time ever that 
see the tester. <laughs> yeah. And another thing I another thing I have here is that Kikimura now working as a delivery woman is probably just a full on reference to Kiki's delivery service. That tracks. <laughs> I didn't yeah. Even, yeah. I mean. Th- yeah, def- I mean, th- I didn't catch that either. This is something I saw on like the t- the uh, both on the Twitter and also uh, in the wiki itself. But it's like, yeah, people are like, oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably definitely a joke about Kikimura's delivery service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that's terrible. I love uh, it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is also this is not really true, but a fan theory that the reason why the wind blows when King is on the swing set is because he like. At that point, he had brought up how he didn't ever actually knew his dad, so people think it's actually like the Titan letting him know that his that like letting his son know that he's there in a sense. That is very sweet. Is, yes. Yeah, it's very sweet and also sad. <laughs> and the last thing I have here, I'm gonna fucking butcher these names since they are K-pop artists. I apologize. <laughs> but the four wild witches that everybody noticed in the scene that when like they have that like quick like 20 second scene of like Eden Rain landing are based on four K-pop artists, those being uh, Taemin, Jesse, Jungkook, I think. I, I Again, I apologize for not knowing Korean, and G-Dragon. So yeah, like, people were, like people saw those designs and they were like, these these have to be a reference. Are these like crew members or something? But no, they're K-pop artists. That seems so weird. <laughs> yeah, very very weird pull. It, like, it would make sense if they had like a, uh, a brief appearance in like, uh, Amphibia, considering that they straight up have a K-pop song to, like, be the heroic second wind <laughs> in, that, in that series, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's a bit strange that they're here, but whatever. But yeah, that's all I really have about trivia. Again, as usual, like, <laughs> trivia is, like, more, like, background stuff as opposed to, like, more or less, like, outright, like, references and stuff like that, because the show kind of doesn't have time for a lot of that stuff at this point, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the only other thing I still have is the Artist of the Week, which I will go ahead and get into, and I'm going to highlight the creator of Lego Ida, who goes by Embassy, which is A-M-B-A underscore S-I. Okay, complicated. Uh, Yeah, a little bit, but like, unfortunately I could not find pronouns about them, so I will just, again, use them to be safe. Uh... They, like so many other fan artists, did a great piece of the kiss, of course, <laughs> as soon as that aired, because so many people were immediately drew the kiss. But they are also the person that does a bunch of, like, basically shit posts of Luce and Amity doing nonsense stuff, like talking about, like, Luce referring to Amity as girlfriend, <laughs> not girlfriend, girlfriend. Okay. And also, there was also a bit where, like, Luce is holding up, like, a piece of pizza, calling it, like, pizza, and Amity holding up a burger, calling it burger. <laughs> It's just nonsense like that, and like another one with like this redraw of the scene when like Amity accidentally like uh, startles loose on when she's sitting on the stairs to the school back in Follies at the Covenant Day Parade, where Amity's just asking her like, "Please explain your smallness," and Luce's response is simply, "I'm Ambatat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's stuff like it's just nonsense like that. Like they 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 have also made like a little bit more like serious ones. Like they've they've of course also made their take on the Luce and collector theory stuff. They made a uh, pretty cool one of Amity and her, like, reaching out disguise mm-hmm. on her Abomination skateboard. They also made one that's, like, a little bit outside their usual world house, where they made, like, creepy owl house stuff in liminal spaces, where it's, like, stuff like Hootie coming out of, a, like, an interior, like, an indoor slide tube. One of, like, John Luke at a swing set at night, which looks super fucking creepy. And also one of, like... an it's like setting like an abandoned school or hospital or something like that of the owl beast just down like a really weird looking corridor 
It's like legit spooky stuff. It's, it's kind of interesting and completely different than their usual output. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of it is just, again, a bunch of stupid fucking silly shitpost jokes. <laughs> stuff like that about Luz and Amity drawn in a very silly art style. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was just like, I, I just felt like it was like, oh yeah, duh, I have not actually like highlighted the creator of the Lego Eda meme. <laughs> I don't much really understand the Lego Eda thing itself, but it's like, oh well, they definitely popped up on my timeline because they also made like, Lego Ida in like the little like coin form of like from the uh the Owl House short where it's like her the Lefen King hiding under like stuff in the house <laughs> and it's like Ida just like scrunched up in like a little coin shape so of course they took that and made it be Lego Ida <laughs> so yeah it's just like then again nonsense like that that I was like oh yeah this is definitely somebody I should actually highlight because Lego Ida is such a well known meme for some reason I've never understood but also, why but yes even I am no aware. again I I did. Yeah, like, again, I don't understand the Lego Eda fascination, but at the same time, like, they, their actual art is really good. <laughs> and also, very funny, because, again, just Amity holding up that fucking burger saying burger is super funny to me for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, okay, yeah. Uh, as far as crimes count goes, we have uh, impersonating a police officer again, uh, illegal trespass, uh, kind of kidnapping, not exactly, it's complicated, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, Did you also bring up impersonation? Uh, impersonation because, like, of a police it. officer specifically, yes. Well, well, also, also impersonation of just another person in general because I mean she does pretend to be. Well, see, that's not a crime. Is the thing you're allowed to impersonate other people as long as you don't like I, steal are, their identity. Are you though? Yeah, that's what impressions. But are, are. you though? <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess, but like I mean, she does kind of straight up steal his, his uh, like imper impersonate him and pretend to be him. Listen, so as like, long as she's it, not it, it using may, his credit card to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter definitely does not have a credit card. Hunter does not even know what allowance is. Hunter definitely does not have a social security number, and therefore his identity cannot be stolen. <laughs> exactly. Because he's not a person. <laughs> I mean, at least he doesn't think he's a person, even though we know he is. Also, that's another uh, thing that's very funny that the uh, embassy had made. <laughs> and, like, making it seem like it's, like, Luz leaving, but it's actually Amity had made, like, an abomination Luz to keep her occupied for the 15 minutes that Luz was gone. <laughs> they were just crying, being like, that was too long! <laughs> I also like that, of course, like, the two bags that Luz has are the the gay and lesbian, or the rapper, the bi and lesbian flag Naturally. bags. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Yeah, this has been a pretty long record, and it is late, so I think we're probably ready to take it into the uh, close, yeah? Do you have anything else before yeah. we uh, plug? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, th I think, I think uh, we've covered as much as we can at the moment with being current with this show, because, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this show just keeps doing this to us every yeah. week. <laughs> <sighs> okay, here's the real question, the one that no one submitted. Mm -hmm. Next episode. Is it our longest ever episode again? I see here's the thing, I don't think so because it's still only a like twenty two minute long episode that we're gonna be talking about. It's not two episodes like we usually would. Okay, you say that, like, but we're already at I, two yeah, hours that, yeah, and twenty fa minutes. Yes, fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, basically like yeah two hours 20 minutes in this but like also like overall we also had that other bit that you need to edit yeah. in. <laughs> so it's like yeah like fair we are pretty long with this one but it's like i also don't 
think so, because, like, I mean, the longest episodes have been, like, two and a half hours or so. So, so I don't know. I, I can I can see it being the case when we get to the specials, because it will basically be, like, the two of us talking about an episode that's each <laughs> again. And also because I also have to fully expect the specials to be fucking buck wild <laughs> even more so than the show has been, <laughs> because... Yeah, if they have a full, like, 44 minutes in one episode, th for three episodes, it's like, yeah, they're gonna go fucking apeshit. I mean, considering that they, like, considering people joke about how they burned all the uh, animation budget on the kiss and everything, it's like, no, they clearly haven't. They still have a lot to go with, like, doing these last ones, because, of course, they're gonna pull out all the stops for this. Okay. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I could, I guess I could see it, but at the same time, I don't know. I guess we could also just be, like, there in, at the end of episode next week just being like okay what the fuck is gonna happen to the specials based on what we just saw and learned and also i mean again as i've alluded to i am definitely also going to like catalog all the money i spent on more <laughs> i will have stuff that i've done since the pilot that we yeah. did to be like all right what what is my crime now of how much money have i spent in the time since because like i think we were at around 420 dollars last time yeah. it's definitely more now okay well i am going to come down on the camp of yes it will be the most the longest episode so far because that's what we do uh and i don't know i don't have anything to bet but if i did i would <laughs> well let's see yes indeed um if you've enjoyed this uh two hours of deranged rambling uh you can find me at patch <laughs> underscore jacket on twitter where i do a lot more deranged rambling and shorter chunks <laughs> Isn't deranged rambling really just what most of us queer people do on a given daily basis? I think though, that's the entire point. point of Twitter. If I'm in, in the, in, yeah, in the hellscape that is 2022, it's like God, you either like fully embrace this bullshit, or you are just being like, God, what the fuck is going on, and just like rambling about it. <laughs> But yeah, uh, again, if you really just want to see me again be pissed about the state of all the fucking school shootings and shit that happened, you can also follow me at, at Chloe Phil Chaos on Twitter. I think it's the same on Instagram. I always forget if I have an underscore in there or not. I don't think I do because I think I made it be the same for the complete lack of brand synergy I have because <laughs> nobody except my friends follow me anyway. This is why I don't have an Instagram. It's too much work to think about different usernames. <laughs> true <laughs> but um yeah i think that'll cover us so uh remember us weirdos have, have to, to stick together, together. bye, bye. But I mean, it's kind of what you have to do at times because I mean, like, I kind of already have forgotten a lot of stuff that we talked about in the preamble, besides like talking about like femme stuff and pets. <laughs> I mean, that's our show, isn't it? Femme stuff and pets. <laughs>